Welcome to Wrestling and it's been a while everybody and we are here to talk about wrestling and 2021. Finally, the COVID crowds ended, at least in America, and we moved on back to having what we were all used to and boy did some great stuff come out of it this year. I think 2021 was a really good year for wrestling and another amazing year for AEW. So, uh, we're going to talk about that. Me and my wonderful co-host, Justin. Are you there, Justin? I am here. Hopefully you didn't hear my kids screaming too loud in the background. Um, anyway, yes, we are sitting here on Christmas Eve. Um, I know you mentioned that the COVID crowds, um, hopefully that is a permanent thing and they don't go back to uh, that, oh, um, you know, yeah. NHL is already canceling or not canceling. They're postponing their games and stuff. I've like heard that. So Omicron. Omicron. Yes. It's uh, striking us. It sounds like a good heel name right there. Um, yeah, it was the name of a video this. game back in the day that I used to play Omicron, the nomad soul. So that would be a good heel Omicron, <laughs> especially nowadays. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's just going to be this nice dominant strain that is mild and everyone gets that and then we can get over this thing who knows but uh we'll see in a couple I weeks like i guess that's what i was saying after two weeks of covid bro so we'll see that's what we were all were saying yeah well anyway let's this is an escape from all that yes Wrestling and... in 2021 let's talk about you know i guess our quasi awards show um for the best of 2021 yeah, so Justin and I, it was actually Justin's idea that we do a best of, and I said, well, that's a great idea. So, you know, we each have our own opinions on some things, and some things we might disagree on what our pick is, and that's okay, because it's cool that we both kind of can see it from our own perspective and uh, talk about what we liked about this year, because it was a really good year. It was especially good year for AEW, I would say. You know, New Japan had mm -hmm. a kind of a cold year, but, you know, they're still dealing with clap crowds and that kind of stuff, um, but, you know, we did have we did have Shibata announce a new match this year, so that's pretty awesome. That was definitely a big moment, um, you know, and yeah, I know a lot of people do these breakout shows, but you know, they're kind of fun, um, these best ofs, so that's what we're, you know, we like to wrap up the year a little bit. It's fun because, you know, it, as, as a fan, they can listen to us and kind of compare and contrast, and we always love to hear your guys' feelings as well, so if you think we totally missed the mark, let us know, because... Justin and I didn't watch everything. We can't. You know, it's impossible. Well, I'm sure that we both right. wish we could have, uh, you know, remembered and watched everything. But, you know, for example, Stardom, there's a huge hole there for both of us where people talked right. about it. And so we can't always include all that stuff. So, you know, let us know if we're totally wrong or if you totally agree with us. So we got a good amount of uh, categories here. And uh, you ready to jump into it? Yeah, yeah, and just to kind of say, I know we, you know, like stardom and stuff like that, and maybe just some of the other stuff we don't get to watch, but we tried to really balance it out basically um, through WWE, uh, AEW, and New Japan, and of course, if you guys have listened to us before, we mostly consume AEW and New Japan, probably New Japan, AEW in that order, um, so we do try and sprinkle in some WWE stuff, because um, as much as we don't really consume the product. We do know that there's good stuff that they do do occasionally, and we like to make sure 
that uh, it gets on the list because it's still the biggest company in the world. And I think you and I are both the type where if word goes around that there's a must-see watch in any promotion, we usually figure out a way to watch it. I mean, like, you, no, you yeah, know, no, no one watches NXT UK, but, you know, they'll tell you, oh, there's this one match you got to watch. And, you know, so. Yeah, I, I, I think we, you know, have our finger on the pulse of it, even though we don't consume it as much as we used to, you know, three, four, five years ago. Um, we still have a finger on the pulse over there, so. Um, we're definitely not, you know, anti WWE. We're just like we just don't watch as much as of it as we used to for whatever reason. Yeah, and, t- and uh, you know, things come and go. Like these last couple weeks, I haven't been too excited about wrestling, but there's not really a ton going on right exactly now. Except actually, uh, AEW had some newsworthy stuff tonight. Cody won the belt, and uh, okay, and obviously Kyle O'Reilly debuted, so that that's kind of cool. But we got Tokyo Dome coming up you know in what yeah and we'll probably our next episode might just be next week with a tokyo dome preview yeah there's tokyo dome and then there's i forget what else but there's there's a good amount of stuff going on there's a big there's a wwe pay-per-view and then i don't know when that battle of the belts is but that's going on too so we got some stuff going on that we will uh get caught up and talk about and we got a lot of cool episodes planned for wrestling and wrestling and this wrestling and that we're not going to spoil it now but uh we definitely have a lot of stuff a lot of history that you guys want to definitely listen to so we'll get, sure. get to our first category here which is the breakout star you know this is like the new guy it doesn't have to be a new wrestler it doesn't have, it could be a veteran but someone that really broke out this year and the person that Justin and I just think is like made a mark this year and possibly could uh make a mark in the future as well so we'll, we'll take turns like I'll go first then you'll go first but on this one I'm gonna have you go first on who was your breakout star of 2021 yeah, this was a little bit of a tough one um, to, to go through because there's various levels. You had everything from, you know, veterans that kind of found their way um, and kind of broke out and found a nice home and became very prominent. And then you had some young guys who basically just kind of came out of nowhere and became like the talk of the business. Um, so it was like a really nice, nice mix. And um, I to me, the one that really stood out to me. I, I would have to go with Jeff Cobb um, at New J- in New Japan. Um, basically, it wasn't Jeff Cobb's always been a great wrestler. I've seen him at PWG. Um, he's been all over the Indies here. Um, I believe he's been in Ring and Honor, Ring of Honor and stuff like that too. So he's been all he's over. He's been WWE. in AEW. He's been in. A, he had that one appearance in AEW where he was with Jericho, but there were I think where it clicked with him this year that put him in a breakout star and he had that great run in the G1. And um, is he really kind of figured out how to blend in with that New Japan style? And I think that's what just made him this prominent guy. Hopefully they continue with that. This is what hesitated to me is because he had that breakout G1 where he became the only, was it the only guy to win six straight or something like that? Or get something. He was undefeated through the it, until the block final and lost to Okada. He was the first person to do that, maybe, or something to that effect. 
very few. He definitely made a that. mark so in, in in the G one for sure. And uh, he right. I, I I agree with you to be honest. And I might have said this on podcasts before, but like I used to know that if we had a G one bam G one match with Jeff Cobb, I used to kind of be like eh, skippable. Where that has completely done a one eighty to where now it's must watch. Yeah, I mean he. I think he always worked. Um, you know, he's a great worker, but I think it just took him a, a little while to figure out the New Japan style. It wasn't necessarily, I've just got to plug in my computer. But, um, yeah, it just took him a while to figure out the New Japan style, and he's really broke out. He's there year-round now, um, you know, minus his coming back for... But he seems like the company really likes him and is taking him seriously, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think he has really broken out this year. Maybe kind of started a little bit last year, but this year he's, like, cemented his place. He got to join with, I don't know if I'd call him a hot new faction, but he got to join with the Empire, and uh, he's with Osprey. And hopefully, as time goes by, I would just love to see more of him in New Japan. I would love to see him as a, you know, poss possible contender for the main title. And uh, just... I, I, I he's awesome man so he's he's done a great job this year yeah and um you know you talk about you know the group he, the faction they're in i think they would probably be a little more prominent and bigger if they were all to you know together at the same time somewhere which we might see in a few weeks we might see that yeah we might see that in a few weeks and and i agree with that where you got the new japan split obviously we have new japan of america strong and all that stuff and they're almost like separate promotions in a way now and uh, uh correct me if i'm wrong but uh cobb has kind of gone back and forth right he's done some strong and he's he's been in japan quite a bit right yeah i mean for the for the most part i think he is japan is his number one spot um, but I guess when he went home and, you know, cause they all, they always give the guys a couple months off, um, that are the full timers that are out of the country for the most part. I mean, everyone's kind of left and come back a few different times this year. Um, whether it's, you know, GOD or maybe everyone with Zack Sabre Jr. I don't even know if Zack Sabre Jr. is left. Zack Sabre Jr. is like stayed started. in Japan the whole time, dude. I, I think so. And even for a while, Gabriel Kidd was staying in Japan until he came out here. Um, you know, for his excursion out to LA, and that was causing but, him some um, mental problems and stuff too, which I think we might. Yeah, talked well, about. I don't know what was, but I'm glad. I wish you know that's a whole other topic, and I'm glad he's doing better now. That's the bottom line there. Um, but I think when you know Jeff came back to the U.S., he worked some strong and some indies out here, uh, just you know to get a couple bucks or you know stack up some more money when he was back in the states, and uh, he's already back and he's been back for a while. Okay. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I agree with you for sure um, that he, he's not my pick, though. I just want to say that. But I think that is a good pick. No, yeah, I, for I think sure. that is a good pick. Some other people we were talking about was Eddie Kingston, who didn't, like, right appear this year. But he's definitely, when I say make a mark, like, he's got to be one of the most popular people in AEW. And one of the best promos in the entire business. For sure. And just when you take somebody in their late 30s who was just basically stamped an indie guy for life and he's found this you know home on a weekly nationally televised brand i mean that's a that's a pretty you know pretty that's a breakout right there do, do you remember the story where he was gonna sell his gear before he got into AEW? like 
Well, uh, you know, I know I told you, listen to the We Watch Wrestling podcast. Like, I, you know, you did. Vince Averill, he bought his pants from him uh, at a show a few years ago. But when they came back out for the Defy show, Vince gave them back to him. Oh, man. And said, you know, I, I don't need these. I'm going to give them back to you. And it was like kind of a moment that was online. So, yeah, he was selling everything. And I think he was like kind of in danger of losing his house and all that when the pandemic started. And this is, a, you know, this is all something to break out um, personally and professionally. I think, uh, yeah, maybe that was a big deal. I mean, he had matches with CM Punk, uh, Brian Danielson. I mean, can't do much he better was in than a that. Great on, tag on team with Moxley. Yes, he was. Yeah, he's been alongside. He's been in some main angles, and uh, you know, he saved him from the quote-unquote explosion oh, match, right? Boy. The death match. He did save him. <laughs> so he's had some big spots for sure, and uh, he's found a permanent home in AEW for sure, or at least a stable, uh, you know, contracted job on a national company. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know. I'm really happy for the guy. Now, on a sidebar here, real quick. I mean, this is a kind of a side note, but you know, you see wrestlers selling their gear. I, it always seems a little desperate to me. I mean, do you think they're just trying to get rid of old stuff, make a few bucks? I guess it depends on the situation, right? But I mean, I saw Robbie Eagles selling gear recently, and I was like, really, Robbie? Have you hit that those hard times? You know, you know, sometimes they don't really wear it that much. Um, and, and first of all, it's probably very expensive to get that stuff custom made. So you know what though they got to pay their quarterly taxes if they're getting ten ninety nines and sometimes it just helps contribute to the and like or you know how much they're paying for health insurance maybe they're like I'll just sell my gear um, that just sits in the back of a closet um, I'll get some money from that from some mark I'll put my signature on it and it's a collector's item I mean you got you know I think they just supplement their income a little bit with it um, you know why not you don't see like Roman Reigns or you know, uh, you know any of the Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, or whatever selling their gear as much, but you see kind of the indie guys because they have to supplement their income a little bit. I think. Yeah, uh, I, and and you said the gear is expensive to be made. I don't know if people realize how expensive, but I'm just going to give you an example. Uh, Hana Kimura, when she was on the show and her gear got washed and she cried, and you know, it really there's a dark path that went down from that that we're not going to get into, but. Um, yeah. Well, you mean got washed? Got washed. Got, got washed. Uh, it got washed, oh. but it like shrunk it and ruined it. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, right. So laundered improperly. The uh, she was. Uh, they were talking about like how much it was, and her gear was a thousand dollars. And this is a women's gear that's smaller. For one outfit, one set or kit, whatever they call them. Well, yeah. I mean, they get them hand sewn, and it's not like you could just walk into a dry cleaner and ask them to hem this for you. Like you have to get people. I mean, look at like guys like Colt Cabana who actually know how to sew and do their own gear. Oh yeah, he's he taught himself how to sew. So yeah, it's a valuable thing. And but you know, also if there's someone doing well and they're selling their gear, maybe Robbie Eagles is giving some of it to charity or something like that. You don't know. Like he could just be um, selling it. But Robbie Eagles, I would imagine, you know wrestles probably what eight months a year in japan and all that he does now yeah and then in australia otherwise new zealand right 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 so you know he probably just adds it to his income especially you get gear and you probably don't you don't wear it permanent you know for the rest of your life or sometimes you don't see guys in the same gear you know that often they don't wear the same thing over and over again 
Um, yeah, it gets old, like it or it's their heel gear or whatever, and now they're baby faces, and they they're like, I'll never or, wear this again. You know, they might just to cut down, like Hannah Kimura and all that stuff, paying a thousand dollars for gear. Maybe you sell it for seven hundred when you're done, and then you put it into getting new gear. So, um, you have to be resourceful with uh, your money. I, I, yeah, business, and there, yeah. there's there's all sorts of reasons, right? Some people, it depends on their situation they're in. So, I mean, although yeah. I, I wouldn't buy gear personally, and neither would I pay to shake a wrestler's hand, but, I mean, there are, like you said, quote-unquote marks out there that love that shit. Especially for female wrestlers. I mean, look at Jordan Grace. Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to talk too much about her, because whatever, but, uh, I mean, there are dudes lined up to buy her gear, and who, pr- probably not for the best reasons either. Who was your breakout star of the year? <laughs> My breakout star <laughs> was uh, Daniel Garcia. Um, I uh-huh, I, yeah. I think that it's not a surprise to everyone that Daniel Garcia is like this breakout star. And the thing with Daniel Garcia, it's it's not so much what he did this year, although he had a lot of great matches. It's that I just see this guy as uh, really having a future. He, he, you know, this is the first year that he kind of came on my radar. I saw him do a uh, little promo with 2.0 and I was just, I was really impressed with his talking, but then in the ring, you know, he just has this like old school kind of a Japanese technical style. And I just, I think there's so much potential there. So, you know, he hasn't been pushed to the moon. He, you know, nothing like that, but he really made an impression on me. And I think when he gets older, it's just going to get better and better. I mean, he kind of looks like a kid right now. Kind of has that hook thing going on, you know? Yeah, I think he's one of those guys that, yeah, he definitely was someone like you jumped on my radar this year. And yeah, we talked about hooks, a guy that we got this little small sample size, but I know there's a lot of people that are willing to call him a breakout star. Um, Need a little um, more for that personally. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I think Daniel Garcia will be one of those guys because, you know, wrestlers don't really find their like, you know, I don't know how to explain this in another way, especially, you know, with uh, men wrestlers. Maybe they don't really find their quote unquote wrestling body until they hit their 30s. Um, Yeah, I mean, the wrestlers are usually in their prime in their mid 30s. Yeah. So that's usually when they like kind of like fill in and develop the, the, you know, the the working body that they're going to have. And uh, I think he's he'll put on some weight. Hook will put on some weight and kind of fill out. I mean, look at Jay um, White. Look what Jay White. And yeah, definitely that's a guy who broke the, out. The way his body changed. I know that, you know, oh, yeah, exactly. Because they figure out how to take care of their body a little bit more and what they need to do to, you know, all that. Because I think, you know, for the most part, they probably start to train less. And, you know, work on wrestling less and they start to work on their body once they kind of figure out who they are in the ring in terms of their and then then maybe from there they start to that's when they actually work on their body and their appearance and their their weight a little bit more um, in that regard. And I know we had some other people on the list, too, but I mean, you know, Great Okan from New Japan obviously had a really big year to same stable as uh, Jeff Cobb. And then Braun Breaker is another guy that's hard to ignore. You want to talk about a guy who already has his um, body put together and, you know, the lineage there. And I didn't even really know. I, he wasn't on my radar at all this year. But um, the only thing that kind of hold me back from Breakout Star of the Year with him is he he didn't um, – There just hasn't been enough for me it. in a way. Yeah, it was a, it was a little more – obviously a little more of a sample size than – we got from hook but um 
I don't know. I feel like they're just kind of, they put him out on the burner for a little bit and they're letting him stew now. They're just putting him out there. And obviously they're kind of, I wish they would just go with that Steiner thing right away and, you know, take it from there. I don't know if that'll ever happen. At least acknowledge that. I don't know. Have they? I haven't really watched a lot of well, he's, the new he's, he's thrown in like the math promo into some things he said and stuff. So, of course, the, the, the low hanging fruit, right? But I mean, uh, you know, the, the guy, they, sh- they could have just called him Braun Steiner and stuff. And, you know, his gear is kind of a kind of he wears that singlet. Which is is kind of oh he looks like yeah his dad's singlet when they would wear those colorful singlets in their kind of WWE run in the early nineties he just doesn't wear the headgear that's the only thing. <laughs> which I you know I don't think any wrestler is going to be wearing headgear it's almost considered a joke you know fucking Josh Alexander uh, wears it and he's pretty awesome that's true that's true Josh Josh Alexander wears it but it makes it really reminds me of Michael Cole like wearing headgear. <laughs> You know what it reminds me of? I don't know if, how big of a baseball guy you are, you are, but there was this first baseman that played in the 90s, a little bit into the zeros. His name was John Olerud. Uh He played for the Blue Jays. Yeah, he played for the Blue Jays, the Mets, and, the, and the, I believe Seattle. And he used to wear one of those. When he'd play first base, he would wear a helmet, um, you know, the one with no ear covers. Yeah. Uh, like the catchers used to wear. You know, he had a head injury as a kid, so he had like some kind of oh, here we go. I thing where he, you know, I see that here. Okay, for safety, he would wear. He was a great hitter, great hitter, great first baseman, but he he wore a you know a little helmet when he's out on the field um, because he had some type of you know condition with his skull or something like that. Well, it um, sounds like he was he was doing of. the right thing, but it does look kind of funny to be honest. Like it, it, like seeing him out there wearing that plastic helmet. Um, that's that's funny. Yeah. It, now all the like first and third base coaches wear them, but um, yeah. Well, obviously you got to 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 pull off the headgear. Um, you know you got to be a Josh Alexander or a Rick Steiner type. I mean, there's very few guys that can really pull it off. I guess it's like goggles and basketball. There's Kareem and James Worthy and a few other guys that could ever pull that look off. Horace Grant. Um, you know, there's a few, yeah, there's very few guys that could pull that look off and, you know, it worked for them because it, you have to really be kind of like that badass kind of amateur style dude to, um, pull off that look. I'm going to get up and close my door real quick. Yeah, that's okay. But I, I, I agree with you on that, man. Although I still think Josh Alexander does look kind of goofy with it, but Hey, he is a, he is a badass. So I want to talk about other badasses that, Maybe companies don't see them as badasses. So the next thing, the next uh, category we have is most underutilized. Now, Justin and I were, it was most underrated, but we found ourselves kind of leaning towards underutilized. And I mean, there's so many wrestlers that, you know, they're, they're really great wrestlers, Ricochet being the obvious example that are just not quite where the fans think they should be or where their skill kind of kind of you would think they would be um so my pick I went with a bit of a surprise pick here but I I honestly think and yes yeah, she has had some good programs but I think Serena Deeb uh, is is mine now Ricochet like I said that's the obvious one so I kind of didn't go with that because that's like the eternal most underutilized. He's always, every year he's in WWE, he will be 
the most underutilized. Um, so yeah, Serena Deeb, I think she's a really great technical wrestler. I think that she has that like veteran appeal where she looks a little older. She's actually 30. I think she's 35. I think she's my age. Um, I hope I'm not wrong. And like, I find out, you know, she's actually 28 and let, let me just double check that. So uh, no, I mean, she was in the straight edge society with CM Punk. So I, I would have to think, what was that? Circa 2000. Yeah, she's 39, 10. Yeah, she, that puts her out of her 20s for sure. Um, Shaved head hey, back you know, then, right? Women wrestlers now can they can wrestle, um, you know, into their 40s a little bit now. I mean, look at Asuka. I mean, we haven't seen her for a while because she's oh, back yeah. from injury, but she still looks you know, great and at the top of her game. So I think you're going to see a lot of longer careers, um, and rightfully so. With Mickey James is 42, dude. I know, and she she looks great too, and she's still in in phenomenal shape and all that stuff. So it's yeah, great. Yeah, she actually almost looks better nowadays in a way. I, I mean, that could. I guess we're just talking about looks and stuff, but she, I think she looks great. And like you said, Asuka, I mean, you have uh, – Emi Sakura, right? And then mm-hmm. you have the NXT Women's Champion, who is an all-time great, um, Mako Satomura. And she's just, like, one of the best women wrestlers of all time, if not regular wrestlers of all time. And she's she's older as well. So I, I definitely love seeing that. But uh, Serena Deeb, I, I just – she has been in a few programs, but – I really think that she could be featured even more to the point of I think that she could be the champion there. Now, she might not be as over. Um, like, she hasn't done a ton of promo work and stuff like that. But I think that's why I'm saying she's underutilized is because she hasn't been out there. But every match I've seen from her has been good. And I remember she had a match with, like, Allison Kay. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah. Former NWA women's champion. Yeah. Yeah, they had a match still? at... They Who's had the a match NWA of... Women's Champion right now. Okay, okay. Who is they it? Had a... no, I'm just I'm Oh, no, 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 it's Camille, right? Is it Camille? Uh, I believe so. Oh, um, you know what? That the... makes sense. I bet you it is her. Yeah. Yeah, um, she's I... pretty awesome. She's cool, too. I followed her on Instagram for a while. You know, she's got, like, a thick southern accent and stuff. It's kind of funny. I didn't realize that. But she, when she was with Nick Aldis, I liked that little combo they had, oh, too. Oh, that dynamic was really cool, especially because she just, you know, she didn't need to talk. The face, like, just said, you know, very expressive kind of stone face, you know. Um, but anyway, underutilized. Um, I know we had some other kind of, I don't know if honorable mention is the right word for it, but I know, like, somebody like... Uh, you know, maybe a lot of people will contra- I This isn't my pick, but um, I've heard the case made that, uh, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi has been a little misused the last couple years in terms of, uh, you know, with what he's been doing in terms of, you know, losing to a guy like Chase Owens and just kind of always being there to, to take, uh, you know, take the pin in a match when they need him to, whether it was against... Uh, Shingo or just whatever and people are just maybe saying that this is one of the greatest wrestlers of our era in the world in the last 15 years and to see him kind of you know taking a bunch of pins at this stage of his career might be kind of a disservice to his career yeah it might be a disservice to his lineage and to all that stuff and I can totally see that argument um and of course, Ricochet is another just super obvious choice, um, just because you had a guy with, um, you know, I know that he doesn't give a great promo, maybe doesn't have a lot of 
you know, verbal charisma, but boy, in the ring, like that, he's like a, he's like a superhero. Um, you know, in terms of he, he looks great. Um, and his, he's got moves that are just like gravity defying and you could definitely, uh, you know, sell him just on that stuff alone. But, um, yeah, he's been underutilized and he's been basically, a you know, a Aldo Montoya style jobber really <laughs> is what they've been using him as. But, um, my pick is this, and it's really tough because you got a guy who has, you know, held the Intercontinental title numerous times, the United States title, and, you know, arguably the Intercontinental title used to be the second biggest championship, um, you know, almost in the world, and it's in, at its peak, and if you were the Intercontinental champion, you were the number one contender, blah, 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 but to me, it's just, you know, just kind of been a disappointment in his run of like six years in WWE, and that's Shinsuke Nakamura. And that was one guy that I was just super looking forward uh, to coming to WWE. And that might be the last guy where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see this guy in WWE. And I know, man, we were all so excited, like. And, you know, they gave us Nakamura and AJ Styles uh, at WrestleMania. And it was a pretty good match. Obviously, it wasn't Tokyo Dome quality and uh, it just turned him into a ball puncher at the end. And. You know, he's been kind of a comedic act. He's been, uh, he, sh- they never should have lately. He's, he, he should have been a world champion. He should have beaten Jinder Mahal, but they just made him kind of job out to him. And then he had that win over John Cena that kind of looked like they were launching him up. But now he's just kind of been this mid card, you know, title holder. And they have him coming out with that Boogs guy. But the one thing about, um, I think Nakamura is he seems very content with what, wwe's doing with him so more power to him and and Um, that that might be like one of the issues there where i might not have chosen him is that and we don't know for sure we don't talk to the guy but you always hear the rumors that that the the what everyone says is oh he's just surfing you know he just has a place where he can surf and you know it might be the case i don't know what his motivation is we know that that house style of wwe is wildly different than new japan and i mean he can't do a lot of the same stuff he used to do but i mean his you know so his match quality you know it has gone down but you know at the same time like they just you know they see something in him but obviously it's not enough to go to that next level and he is the icy champ and like you said it's like it's become a, a meaningless title, you know? I mean, they changed the look of it, it to its detriment, in my opinion. And uh, yeah. now, like, I, I almost think, like, the, the, you know, United States title in, in, in NXT is better than that belt. Or the North, or the American, North title. American title, yeah. I definitely think the NXT title is better, but they just don't really have... I don't know. It's... I would almost throw the Intercontinental Tunnel in NXT and make that there. I mean, I just don't think there's uh, there's not enough people that want the title. Like, it's not, you know, aver- you know, it's not presented as something that people would want to be after. I don't know. But, um, no, it's, anyways, it's not something it's, you chase like before, like, like you know, maybe how it was in the 90s. Or, or you know, I remember when they had an episode of Raw where, they were literally froze out of the arena and John Moxley was walking around the like WWE headquarters and he was looking at all the people that used to be intercontinental champ. It was like, I want this belt now, but it's like, you know, 
since then, a hundred people have held the belt and it's changed its look and it's, yeah, it's just not what it is. But I, I, I could see where you're going for with uh, Nakamura. I mean, let's, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a guy that to this point should have been a world champion two to three times by now. I mean, yeah. I, I, and you, this Jinder Mahal, I mean, that whole experiment was a joke. And I was waiting for someone to take the belt from him. Thank God they finally, you know, cut bait or whatever with that. But Wasn't it AJ Styles at a house show or something like that? Or it was just a <laughs> random Raw episode? I, I think I watched it. But it, it was like, I think they finally smartened up and were like, no, we can't do this. Although they have pushed, uh, pushed him. He must be well-liked. I'll say that. He's probably a nice guy. Oh no, for sure. I mean, I mean, we're not really talking about that, but you know, he's one of my favorites, and um, I kind of wonder what would happen if he would have stuck around in New Japan. But uh, I, I don't think I think he's in WWE for the rest of his career. I mean, he's getting up there too. He's in his early forties, so there's no re- need for him to say I want to go back into a G one. I mean, why would he want to do that at this point? You know. Yeah, that's that's totally true, man. I mean, you, you want there, you hope that he still has that fire inside of him. But, you know, I don't know. Although I'll say this, he's, I think I told you this, but he said that uh, he's really happy the belt in New Japan changed because now he will forever be the youngest IWGP champion ever. Or, yeah, yep, youngest idea. So that because there is no more people that can get that belt. So there you Unless go. Unless they bring it back uh, in a, a week, who knows? No, I, I do. <laughs> They're not doing that. It's a um, title. <laughs> all right, moving on to the next category. Do you want to uh, talk about this category and tell us who your fave was? Do you have Do you have the list up, or do I need to announce? I it? have the list up. Um, this was most overrated, and this is a tough one because I'm one. Of, I kind of like everyone almost, and I, I kind of for the most part think everyone is you know rated where they should be. Um, I know we have the initial list here, and like I kind of just thought of something that popped in my head w- w- was my pick, because um, you got pe- a lot of people on here. Some of them are just, you know, big merch sellers, but then when they don't really back it up, you got people that are just labeled as the greatest. But maybe it's the fact that they don't have a lot of great competition that makes them over. It makes them seem overrated. But um, I, this was one that we didn't kind of talk about that this week. But this is always one that I've kind of had the back of my mind. Um, and this isn't someone that I dislike. Um, I kind of enjoy at times. But to me, it would be Sonata. Uh, oh yeah, that that's a, that's a great one. I I could totally see that man. He he's really hit or miss. And what what else do you think about him? Well, to me, I just don't see a lot of. See, that's the thing where I think he's bigger with the Japanese crowd um, in terms of he just doesn't really emote or have any charisma um, for someone that's in a group with someone like Tetsuya Naito and Hiromu Takahashi um, and Shingo Takagi and even Bushi to a degree. Um, he just doesn't really fit in with them in terms of his expressiveness. And to be honest with you, every time they put him in a big spot, he doesn't deliver. Um, his G1 final with Abushi was very pedestrian. Um, anytime he's had a title match, um, very pedestrian with Okada. Um, I just think he's a mid-card, middle of the, of the... I think he's big with the Japanese fans. Um, I don't know if he's like... I know he's a handsome dude, but I don't know if he's like 
what Japanese people consider handsome. At least my wife's like, oh, he's not really, you know, the, the he, you got to be a little more kind of clean cut and not have, a, you know, as much facial An hair. An Abe Lincoln beard. Right, right. The chin Died strap blonde. like I had in high school in my, in my 20s. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like something's missing with him. But he's yet, um, maybe not recently, but he's always in the mix with the G1 if he doesn't make the G1 final. Um, and they, he's always he gets one or two big matches a year. And to be honest with you, he just doesn't deliver. I mean, he was good with um, Evil when they were doing their tag run. And he's actually been a pretty good team with with Naito. Um, and he's even got an, a special singles match at the Dome. But I don't know, man. He just There's just Who's something that against? missing with him. Uh, he either has, I think he has Okan and Naito has Jeff Cobb. So that's what they're doing. So, you know, I don't know. I just think every time he's given his big spot, he doesn't really deliver like you would think he uh, somebody in that spot should. And there's just something lacking with his emotion and which, presentation. Which is, it's weird, though, because you know what? There's this kind of stone-cold charisma, Not no pun intended, with the actual Stone Cold, but there's this kind of you know, coldness charisma that a lot of wrestlers can have. You look at Mits uh, Misawa, one of the best wrestlers of all time. Dude is, like, emotionless, okay? But, I mean, there's something about that in the ring where it just totally works. But I think it's weird because Sonata has this kind of stone cold. And, and you know, like, even Shibata doesn't really talk much at all. He's that kind of, that has that kind of coldness. But when he wrestles, there's something about it where it's, like, it totally all works together as a package but sonata he has that cold you know doesn't speak a whole lot but i feel like his in-ring just doesn't really work with that especially when the dude has one of the worst moves in wrestling the paradise lock and it's like he's doing a comedy move in comedy you know serious it's matches it's good right but i mean in in final matches and stuff you know for me it's just a little too much to see his opponent in a serious match pretend like they're all tied up yeah it's wrestling okay i know that but like that move really pulls me out for for like you know it pulls me out it's hard to suspend my disbelief it's just laughable like why did he just do that man and yet he's yeah. this stone cold kind of well he's the cold sculpt and then he comes out looking like a space pirate and then he, <laughs> so at times he's had the the neck beard and the spiked blonde mohawk faux hawk i mean and the shiny mask if you're you're gonna come out with that badass kind of look and presentation i I think maybe that's what they try with him but it just doesn't go all the way i mean shibata comes out there with black trunks some kick pads and slick back hair and it's like that's it let's go he just sits in the middle of the ring cross-legged right uh masawa would come out with all green and just just focused and even like someone like Uh, true true that look on their face you just look at them and you know you're getting your ass whooped i don't get that from looking at sonata i agree and the space pirate thing it's just yeah masawa would just come out like a boxing star kind of like with his crew and just ready focused right yeah and uh sonata it's almost like he's a little too into himself in a way um to have that attitude so Good choice there. That wasn't on our list, but that was a great choice. Can I uh, can I tell the people what my choice was? Yes. My 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 choice is a wrestler that I think is great and I think uh he's done a great job and I don't 
necessarily blame him for this because I think he has done a really good job. But it's what's happened, uh, his effect. And that, that is CM Punk. So CM Punk, he has had a great year. This is the biggest comeback like ever in wrestling, you know. Uh, right. so, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm, I'm, you know, agreeing with you in terms of him having a big comeback. Yeah, yeah, great comeback. I mean, a moment, a historical wrestling moment. The thing is, is I kind of heard Ric Flair say this, and I know that Ric Flair is not the best for wrestling opinions. I mean, he kind of has a little craziness on his own, but he was like, you know, this punk comeback, you know, they should be doing at least 1.1 million per episode with him on the show, and the ratings did go up, and they have gone up, but not so tremendously that you could say he's made a giant effect. Um, so on top of it, you know what though? I mean, ratings. I mean, I don't know if ratings. It's just I don't know. Like you get people DVRing and CM Punk selling a ton of T-shirts and all that stuff. So I, I think there's just more to it than ratings. Um, well, I I agree yeah, as well, man. Know. But we're not the TV executives that are making new deals and deciding how much money these people should get for the show and that's where oh, most sure, of yeah. the money comes from f for the companies you know is these tv deals and so that's the metric that they look at they're not looking probably probably are but they're not as much looking at youtube ratings they're looking at the ratings they're getting on their channel so they can sell ads and so i think in this case I, i'm i was a little surprised at how much they didn't leap up and you know, how many weeks they've had where it's, like, back to normal. So um, I, I think just in that case that I, I think he is the most overrated. And on top of that, he has, you know, I thought he got outshined by MJF, um, honestly, in their battle, their promo battle. And I, I just, I, I don't know, man. There's just something there. I think... He's going to get a little more attitude as time goes by, um, and I would love to see that. But he's done great. He's had good performances, but, you know, I wanted I wanted a spicy pick for that one. So I mean, yeah, no, I get it, because you know what? Like, as much as I, you know, I love CM Punk, and I, I just, uh, I, I think a lot of people for years have probably thought he was, as there's always been an undercurrent of people that said he's overrated because maybe he didn't. Um, deliver in ring and put together legendary matches like a lot of guys do and um, he was really just kind of uh, you know put on a pedestal um, because you know he had that magical money in the bank moment where he beat John Cena in Chicago um, he has the pipe bomb promo um, and after that it's like okay what what else has he done um there's some people that stay that and, you know, he had a great match with the undertaker at WrestleMania, what, 27, 28, something like that. Yeah. That's some good but, matches with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. I had some good matches with Daniel Bryan, but who hasn't? Um, but there, there <laughs> has been an undercurrent. Yeah. I don't really think it's that controversial of a pick because there's always been a kind of a, an undercurrent of people thinking CM Punk is, is overrated. So, and I was saying uh, your uncle, right? My uncle hates CM Punk and thinks he's the worst champion in, in WWE history. <laughs> he he comes from the you what know the the opinion of he took his ball and went home kind of Ooh. thing. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, 
But I do understand when people say when people don't like CM Punk, I understand why they don't. But I'm not one of those people. I love CM Punk. So, um, you know how sometimes you you could understand why someone or something rubs someone the wrong way, but that doesn't mean you share that opinion. You, but you can emphasize with that someone being like that, you know. Well, it's like um, the opposite fine. with Toriano. I kind of hate him, but I understand why people think he has his place. So right, yeah, with Toriano and CM Punk, they're kind of an acquired taste. Um, where people can, you know, how there's some people that cilantro tastes like soap. You know, it's just something with their taste buds. <laughs> there is a right? genetic reason that I don't like Toriano. Like, if I had a different, yeah, like, you, you know, m- mutation, then I would be a huge fan of Toriano. So, yes, yeah, instead of that's picking a great your example. pronoun, you have to tell people whether you like Toriano or not, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, so, yeah, so I, like I said, I can understand the CM Punk thing, but obviously, if they put him in a title match program, I'm pretty sure their ratings will go up. Or if they said, Next week on Dynamite, CM Punk faces Adam Page for the WWE title. I'm sorry, for the AEW title. If the WWE title, that would be a huge rating boost. That would be crazy. the AEW title, that would get uh, huge ratings if they just gave it to, I don't know, uh, Jungle Boy or uh, Adam Page versus uh, Darby Allin. Darby Allin. I mean, that would be a big match. But if CM Punk was to get that title shot... That would be a huge ratings boost. Um, and you can see that in the YouTube it. numbers, dude. Like, his YouTube numbers are always, like, really high compared to all the other stuff. Like, like you know, his thing with uh, MJF was, like, over a million views and stuff. And I was like, holy shit. So. Right, right, yeah. So I'm telling you, he still has that spike power. I think, um, well, look, that great moment on my, on, uh on Wednesday with he did the the old sting makeup and everything and I thought that was a really awesome moment. I mean that was you know kind of I missed that, but I heard it was an year. awesome match. It was really good and Sting shocks me that the dude can somewhat hold himself together in a ring. We have to sit there and suffer through watching Giotto and Gato wrestle in their <laughs> early 50s and Dick Togo, right? Oh god. I would rather see Sting wrestle a million times in a row than watch those guys get in the ring again. Sting knows his limitations and still does kind of the big spots. Um, the other guys might be visually in better shape, but they can barely move. Or even a guy like Honma or Tenzan, like those dudes oh don't need to be out there wrestling. Or, or, or Mu- Muda. Anymore. Or Muda. Like, or it's Muda. just like, dude, um, what are you doing? I think they should do Muda Sting again. Why not? But, um, no, Sting just impresses me a little bit. I think he's still a little bit of an odd match for Darby Allen. I don't really understand that. Um, but, well, they uh, both are dark. They are dark and brooding. That's that's it. I think it's a yeah. cool mix. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worked pretty it's well. It's given Darby some credibility, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Darby is one of those guys that, you know, is going to be one of their... You know, and like we said, you know, I know MJF talked about it too, the four pillars, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, in five, six years, that company is going to be MJF, Jungle Boy, and Darby Allen at the top, right? I mean. Yeah, and then we'll have a whole batch like, of new guys at the bottom too, hopefully. Yeah, maybe someone like Daniel Garcia or Hook. Um, those mm-hmm. guys are definitely, you know, the future um, of that company and of really the entire business. Totally. I, I totally agree, man. Um, so talk about some guys that are kind of at their top currently in the business and they aren't wrestlers. 
They're the talkers, the announcers. So we have a best announcer here, and we only had I we only put down three choices, and you know they're yeah. kind of probably going to be the same three choices every year for a while, I imagine. <laughs> and Maybe, yeah. that that is uh, Kevin Kelly, Excalibur. Tony Schiavone, and I should add Taz to that because I think Taz is great. You, you you agree? Oh, I love Taz. Yeah, definitely great color commentator. I I loved listening to. I wasn't a fan of WWE during the time, but every time I hear him in old WWE matches, it really hyped hypes me up. You know, he was a great announcer in WWE as well, and he knows all his moves and stuff. But uh, I didn't choose Taz. I chose Tony Schiavone because I mean. Tony Schiavone does kind of play a character, right? When he's he's the definitely their babyface announcer, but I I just I love the guy. I love his announcing, man. When he's in shock, when he's surprised, when there's someone out there that he hates, he's the one that calls them, you know, names and stuff like that. I love the gimmick that way. Um, and just the fact that this guy, he was a guy who was doing baseball for a double a triple a team you know the yeah, fact for that like a decade yeah the fact yeah the fact that this guy is back on tv and doing you know what he he has done i mean this guy's been around i mean he was around in the 80s you know doing this guy has has announced like matches that some of the best matches of all time in the 80s he's seen so much and to have this kind of renaissance of his career um it's it's just great and he's done a great job now this is as opposed to JR who's not on our list because JR is having a renaissance too and we like JR but there's also soon JR he's going through some kin- skin cancer treatment yeah and he looks like he's going to be on the men soon he's supposed to be back at the end of the month but i mean yeah we've talked about JR numerous times and just you know if we're never going to deny the fact that JR has some of the best calls and the, the sound bites and calls in the history you know of, of of professional wrestling um but at times has come across especially with aw has come across as kind of um devil's not devil's advocate but very contradictory and condescending with the way he's been taught yeah with how he's kind of undersold what's going on and uh kind of you know back talk his back talk his peers a little bit unprofessional yeah, right sound old man yelling at clouds moments um <laughs> you know for sure well let and, me tell you, you know, I, just to, i, I want to say to you real quick you were telling me the uh, last time we talked you were saying oh he's kind of always been that way and i was like yeah. in my head i was like no he hasn't but then i watched that uh undertaker match with um with sean michaels and he, i could hear some of it he goes there's a bunch of idiots in the back who say, oh, they know how to fall. And I was like, that was a weird thing to say that kind of exposes the business a little bit. And Well, I think a lot of times, too, he would be very kind of whiny against the heels. Um, like, oh, here he comes again with his cheating. Why can't he? Da-da-da-da? Like, he would be very whiny in that way. Um, and then, of course, it made for a good mix with him and the king because the king was like the heel announcer. And I think these days you have way less of that uh, oil and water heel and baby face announcer. It's you do have a heelish announcer. Like I know a guy like Taz, I guess is technically a heel announcer, but when they, 
announce they're they're much more down the middle they're not like, oh yeah oh you know, yeah Ta- Taz, jerry the king collar waller used to be they only they only or like fucking uh cory graves is like they don't just like play that ridiculous character where for some reason they always root for the heel and it makes no sense right um, taz right. is like, ta- Taz is definitely more down the middle and he called, you know, even if a heel, you know, does some crazy move, he'll, or a baby face does some crazy move, he knows the name of the move and he'll call it. And so, um, but you know, obviously this, uh, we don't want to talk too much bad about JR props to him, but I, I think Tony Schiavone, I just, I, I love him this year, man. I think every, you know, his thing with Britt Baker's always been really funny to me. Uh, his his just presence there, he just makes me happy, man. Watching, he sounds so excited watching AEW. He sounds so into it, and it really rubs off, uh, in my opinion. I agree with all that, and I'll be honest with you. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Shivani back in the day in the WCW days. Granted, I wasn't really watching wrestling when he was doing like the Jim Crockett stuff. Obviously, I've got. I to disliked kind of... him. I yeah I wasn't a fan. I thought he was very vanilla. Um, I agree. Back in the day, I felt the exact same way, especially and compared he had a to very the King kind and of yucky voice, like you know where he really put on that announcer's voice. And I didn't really come to appreciate him uh, until basically Conrad got him and had the podcast with what happened when, and that's when kind of got a personality out of him and just kind of just loved him since then. And yes, he's done everything great for AEW. he looks so relaxed and um just you could tell he's like we see it with most of the stuff in AEW. everyone's just enjoying what they're doing and that's reflected and makes for better work when you enjoy what you're doing your product is better i mean when your talent is happy and enjoying themselves um it's going to be reflected in what you see and you know tony shivani has you know, granted, he's always on a three or four man team out there and really hasn't had to carry something by himself necessarily or didn't didn't he do part. dark with Paul White? Dark I think he's doing with dark Paul with Paul White, but I don't watch a lot of dark. Um, I don't I think the I last don't one either. I watch was Excalibur and Taz. I watched some. Well, of that's it dark, but dark elevation is. Oh, dark, is what is that? Oh, Monday. Is that like? Yeah. See, I haven't really watched a lot of that, so I'm not sure. So I haven't even seen a lot of. Uh, or heard a lot of Paul White's commentary, but um, yeah, I totally understand the Shivani thing, and to me, it's just been a renaissance of his career. It's been beautiful, but I, I went with Kevin Kelly because I just think that no one works harder or carries a product like he's been doing uh, this year, and he's had for years, but this year he has had such a challenging. Uh, environment to deal with and we're talking about a guy who's been calling matches at I don't know what two three o'clock in the morning from his basement well he's he's east coast so no 5 30 5 30 a.m to, to 4 30 it could be worse here. actually dude if yeah, he's a late, I definitely you know? don't think I could get up at five o'clock in the morning and call four hours of wrestling and be in that mode sitting now and you know, having to trans- transport yourself to a venue 5,000 miles away while you're sitting in your, you know, pajama bottoms. Like, I just, and just the fact that he has had to, uh, cr- you know, nurse and create color commentators uh, out of people that have had no 
broadcast experience and he's carried shows solo um so not only has he been calling shows in his basement at five o'clock in the morning but he's been doing it by himself for the most part um and just someone that has just you know been a great ambassador to new japan and um you know very you know responsive in terms of social media and all that stuff too like i just can't think of a more dedicated uh guy than than kevin kelly and i think he deserves that credit um until someone unseats him i want to comment on what you said about him you know helping other people And, and you know from what i've seen this is maybe my opinion but he seems like a real someone who takes his job very seriously and is probably critical of his coworkers. And I've heard him be critical of his coworkers on podcasts and such. And I know that he really like, supposedly he uses hand signals to run, you know, he'll put up a hand for don't talk and, you know, stuff like that. And he has done a great job in making these other guys, whether it be uh, Chris Charlton, his kind of a number one sidekick or uh, Gino Gambino, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's Rocky done a Romero. great Rocky Romero. Yeah. He's done a great job. You know, you, you could say that he's almost the director of the whole commentary. And, and because like I said, he, he actually uses hand signals to tell people like he'll point and say, you know, comment here or put his hand up and say, don't talk now. And so that whole commentary, everything you hear is directed by him. So it's not just him who he is really talented. It's he is that whole commentary team. Well, he's and- actor, producer, writer. He's doing all that stuff. Director. And even, you know, Don Callis was a guy who they hired uh, who I don't really did a lot did a lot of commentary outside of maybe a spot or two. Um, well, he did some ECW commentary, so maybe that's a bad example. But he really turned Don Callis, helped Don Callis become one of the best color guys in the business. Um and a guy I don't like know if Rocky I agree Romero, with that at all, but... Well, Rocky Romero was a guy that just wasn't very good when he started, but with Kevin Kelly's tutelage became very good. And the same thing with Gino Gambino. I remember when I first heard him, like, who the heck is this guy? He's awful. Yeah, then, I didn't like him at first. Slowly but surely, uh, you know, Kevin helped him find his voice and his spot, and he became very, very good. And Chris Charlton, too, is not necessarily a commentator either. He's kind of, I think, I don't know. See, I'm always wondering why he's not available more to do color commentary with Kevin. Because um, I think he works other stuff with New Japan, dude. I think he must be their main translator and maybe their PR guy or something. I don't know exactly what his role is. Um, but for whatever whatever reason, um, he. Well, the bottom line is I don't think he's he went to broadcasting school. I'll just put it that way. Well, Ke- Kevin um, Kelly said, like, Kevin Kelly said outright that and he said this outright, this isn't my opinion, he said that, like, Chris Charlton has a absolutely terrible voice for broadcasting, and, you know... Um, <laughs> but they brought... He he formed him into this kind of, like, Mike Tenay historian type of color commentator that I think, you know, it took a while to shape that, and yes, right, his voice isn't... You know, he has a very kind of uh, high English accent, and it doesn't work well because usually, you know, your color commentator is usually someone that used to be a wrestler or has kind of an edge to them a little bit. Usually that's kind of the, the cookie quarter formula. It's very rare that you'll have a color commentator that's just not um, somebody that's actually been in the ring before. Yeah, not part of the business before, kind of. You right. know, Kevin Kelly's obviously had a long time in the business doing all sorts of stuff. 
So right. Um, good good choice, man. Yeah, I just dude's dedicated, man. I just uh, I appreciate that. Um, I can't even remember. Did you and you want me to introduce this next topic? So, um, best venue. So, <clears throat> really tough. Uh, if you haven't eyewitnessed a lot of wrestling in person, but uh, 2021, there was some pretty cool venues. Um, I know that Arthur Ashe Stadium, uh, where they usually hold the U.S. Open tennis tournament in New York, uh, over there in Flushing, Queens, uh, you know, was a, was an awesome venue. Um, I kind of dug Russell Grand Slam at the baseball stadium for some reason. I think it was what Yokohama Stadium. So um, I looked this up, and show. and I think we might be getting a little mixed up because Wrestling Grand Slam was actually at the Tokyo Dome. It was it was the uh, one before that that was at the baseball stadium, and I it might have been last year too. I'd have to look at that because I I couldn't remember. Remember how that the Stardom Show tags. Or, was this the, the one when Naito won the belt against um, Evil? No. no, 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 no. That was last year for sure. Okay. But this year, I think there was a show, like, yeah, look how prepared we are, everyone, um, where they had a stardom tag matches that they actually put on television this time. Um, so there was Wrestling Grand Slam at the MetLife Dome on September. That might be it. The MetLife Dome? Yeah. Okay. That is a pretty cool know. looking place, by the way. I thought that was although it all cool it looks like a giant. Oh yeah, yeah, with the windows. Yes. Okay. I kind of like the look of it. I know maybe not everyone did, but I dug it. Uh, not no, that was really cool. Year. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and we don't we don't have to go too deep into this because it's tough because we haven't been to yeah. all these venues. But um, no. you know, no. if you have, that makes it even better. But I guess it's almost like best venue as appearing on TV. But you know, certain places have a certain way of doing all the fans and stuff that just looks better and and is more conducive to a good environment for wrestling. Uh, you know, I will go with what I'm gonna. I kind of have two picks on this one. One is what I think is just kind of. A venue that has um, just kind of been that most valuable venue and it has been, you know, kind of rescued wrestling in a way um, this year uh, and even, you know, into la- the 2020. But I mean, I cannot, I have so much bias with this, but to me, the best venue was the, uh, the torch at the LA Coliseum, which was the outside of the Coliseum where New Japan Resurgence was held. And it was just such a well-lit and just beautiful venue. And I thought the matches just popped out on the screen and a lot of colors and that impromptu fireworks show that shouldn't have happened just added an element. It was just really beautiful and looked great. And I think you were saying it looked really great on television too, right? It looked really good on television. I mean, it, it was just, it was cool looking that it, the backdrop was cool because instead of all the fans, you see like the big wall. And uh, it, it was so picturesque that, you know, there's a lot of pictures of like the wrestlers up on the turnbuckle with the, the Olympic sign behind them that just the looked really awesome. Them, yeah. yeah, and I mean, that Tanahashi match was just such a magical moment. You won the U.S. title in front of the U.S., I mean, the Olympic, you know, the place that was held the Olympics in 1932 and it, it created the imagery that we talk about, the still photos that live on. But uh, that would be my huge sentimental pick. 
but um, I just think the venue that it just kind of gave me that sense to normal and everything. And I got to go with Daly's place. Um, I just feel that they really dug in and were able to create some pretty, um, it was the first uh, venue to start holding fans again in the country. Um, I think so. Right. It wasn't the Thunderdome or whatever. Well, as far as major wrestling, there's been a lot of big moments at Daly's place this year and last year. And I think it's just one of those things where it, they were able to, um, and it had a beautiful sunset too, if you, in the distance. And it gave us some good moments, including when, uh, you know, uh, the best friends and their, and, uh, what's her names? Was it, uh, Trent's mom drove up in the minivan and all that stuff and FTR and all that, you know, those things. The yeah. They, when that. they had the truck and I remember FTR had their truck and that's how they, this is not exactly what you're talking about, but FTR debuted driving a truck in there and stuff. It, it, it held wrestling afloat for a while. So I think that's the venue that kind of, to me, stands out as being the venue for a year. Cause it might've held the most wrestling, uh, last year and really kept things afloat when, Maybe the fans couldn't be there as much. Do you know how uh, TK, Tony Khan, got the idea for Daly's Place? Like to use it or, or to, to the setup, the, the, the setup of it, the setup of it? Like, Well, I know that it's basically attached to the football stadium and it's like a small cart concert venue, amphitheater kind of deal, right? It is, but I, I, I'll tell you, the story I heard was that, that Tony Khan had seen an episode of South Park and in that episode, they had like a wrestling event and it was like an amphitheater with the wrestling event on the stage. And he was like, well, fuck it. We can just do it like that. So the whole amphitheater faces the wrestling. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a theater almost like with the with the you know, it's 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 like it's different from the theater in the round where all the seats are in a big circle it's like all these seats are just facing one wrestling ring and so yeah he actually got the idea of the setup from south park that that is that is awesome that is that is <laughs> that's really cool well, that's someone from our generation so you got to think uh south park is uh you know uh <laughs> influential in our in people in the in our age range for sure so that's that's actually kind of cool to hear and tony's one of our peers man he's grew up just like us except for with a bunch of money rich as fuck yeah yeah spe yeah speaking of our generation they just came out with a new reno 911 movie that i really want to watch although i'm sure it's oh, really? absolutely <laughs> terrible yeah they're hunting for q so uh oh that's funny and i forgot sure. the name of the actor but he's definitely put on a lot of weight um I don't remember his name, but it, I, I want to watch that on a side note. And, What's uh, your venue of the year? Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you, the L.A. Coliseum. So okay. I, I, right. I think you talked about that one, and I think that was awesome. I was kind of thinking Arthur Ashe, um, but it does look like a big, huge arena. Oh, and some of know, those... I, my friend, that uh, Will, who came out to visit here, he went to that show, and he said it was a mess there. Uh, the line to get in, uh, the food, they just... Were I heard the food, they weren't accepting cards or something for a little while um, there. They just didn't have enough food. Um, yeah, they're, they're not used to having wrestling shows. Yeah, they're having those hoity-toity uh, tennis fans and you know <laughs> wrestling fans like to eat and drink beer, and they were just a little oh, overwhelmed yeah. by that. And I, I heard it was kind of a cluster, a cluster fuck getting the fans in the building too. 
they just weren't used to having those big rowdy crowds. Yeah, the dudes are probably like, I want some nachos. It's like, sir, we don't sell nachos here. We have this filet mignon. Give me our filet mignon or some champagne. You're supposed to have a a sweatshirt tied around your neck. You know, that kind of stuff. Yes. Do you have your sweatshirt? Yeah. But hey, they loved loved having AEW there, so they probably made bank off that too. And they didn't hire enough uh, employees. Like, they were just understaffed too. I heard it was a, a deal with that, so... I'm sure um, they'll be back, and they probably learn from it. Yeah, it was definitely a unique venue, but um, yeah, to me, it's it's the LA Coliseum and just the most valuable venue for wrestling this year, which was Daly's Place. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, moving on here. Okay, I got got the notes up. Is uh, most athletic. And not a huge amount of uh, options here, although we probably missed a lot. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you straight out my choice. And my choice was someone you had already mentioned earlier, and that is Jeff Cobb. He's always had that athleticism, um, but I feel like it... Mr. Athletic, I think at one point was his name, right? Mr. Athletic. You know, he's always had that athleticism, but I feel like... Maybe it's not that he brought it up to a new level, but it sure seems like he's he's got those counters going, those New Japan-style counters at the end of the match, and he does everything so well. I mean, on top of that, we're talking a dude who does these crazy strength spots, lifts a dude, swings him around, throws him up from the ground, catches him. I mean, the dude can catch like anyone in New Japan, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he might be the strongest... Uh, you know, wrestling in the world, pound for pound. I mean, you got other guys that are coming up the ranks, like maybe like an Alex Coglin, which is like deadlifting dudes. Um, but I mean, and the fact that he just has the most appropriate finishing move with Tour of the Islands to display that strength, and you know. Yeah, and you know they always say, "Do a finishing move you can do on everyone." You've heard that phrase right. before, and like, you shouldn't be able to do that move on everyone, but he. Uh, but he can. Yeah. He can, man. And not to mention, the dude does the fucking standing moonsault, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the size I mean, of that guy. I mean, he's quite the athlete. And, you know, we're talking about a former Olympic... Uh, was he a weight... Oh, no, he was Greco-Roman wrestler or something like that. For for um, what? For Guam? Fiji? Guam, Guam, Fiji? Guam, yes. Even though Guam yes. is part Guam. of America, so... Well, it's still its own country, I think. Um, but, you know, you're also talking about a guy who's probably in his late 30s, I think, 38, 39 years old, maybe even 40, and is still moving around on that level, if not getting better, like we talked about in our most, yeah, in our most, you know, breakout star category. Um, definitely not a bad choice there. By the way, I don't want to upset anybody here. Guam is a territory of the United States. It is not a country. So just no one get upset. Well, they, they field an Olympic team, so yeah. But you you, that's them. there. You go. Yep. Um, so I mean, do you agree with that, or do you have your own opinion on most athletic? I can't really make a huge argument. I Jeff Cobb definitely is up there. I kind of went with somebody a little off my list because I was just kind of really thinking about it. Um, I mean, listen, you got great guys like Ray Phoenix, Hiromu, Dante Martin, who kind of was even a, kind of a breakout star in a way, too. Pac is outstanding. Um, but, you know, talking about Pac and kind of pivoting there, I, I go with Andrade. 
Um, I I just think he might be the best athlete overall. Uh, it, you know, you you have other guys like great athletes. You know, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson is a great just kind of cardiovascular shape and all that stuff. But I just really think that Andrade can wrestle any level of wrestling. He can do. He's the only the first guy that I've seen that would do the moonsault, land on his feet, and then do the standing moonsault. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Like he misses him, and then he's like, "Fuck it, I'll do it again." Yeah, I just think overall, you know, he's he's probably the slickest, smoothest athlete um, overall. So that that well, to me is the most athletic. For a guy of his size, and he seems fairly big, um, especially as a lucha, like he's almost like a high flyer. He has that Mexican style. And I mean, yeah. when he does the tornado over the ropes and the spin, I mean, dude, lands on his feet. It's like, what the fuck, dude? It's just crazy looking, seeing this guy like that spin like a fucking corkscrew th- through the uh, over the top rope. I mean, it's really impressive. And, uh, he's and he someone... almost does something a little different every match, too. So he's, he's great, man. I see... He, maybe this is a guy we could have called underutilized as well. I, I think I think he's kind of where he should be right now. I think we're going to see more of him in the future. I mean, he only joined w, uh, AEW this year, right? And uh, so I, I think we're going to see. He's dealing with Charlotte breakup right now, so he's got yeah, a lot we'll on give his him some time. He's got a lot. Uh, he's got a lot on his plate. Um, all right, let's move on to the funniest. The funniest wrestler. Now, me, we already know I'm not a huge fan of the comedy, but uh, it has its place. It has its place, and there are some very funny wrestlers. This year, I mean, you could almost say this year was a real good for comedy wrestling, like actually good comedy, because Orange Cassidy, um, MJF is kind of funny in his own way. Taguchi was great this year, especially I loved him in Best of the Super Juniors. ELP, yeah. um, and then even in WWE, Sami Zayn, you know, really uh, kind of has his own quirky things. I don't like it, but I know that you kind of enjoy quirky. Did uh, you watch? I'm going to stop you right here. Did you watch the Connemaro Yano? What was it called? Year end party match. That was that was uh, last night. In oh, the the KO, KOPW. No, yeah. I didn't. Did you? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. They took a shot of whiskey every two minutes during the match. Oh, I I heard about that, where they had to get, what, were they just getting progressively drunker as the match went on? You could tell that they were, like, I think they ended up having four shots each, which I get, you know, that's, you know, that's a good amount of whiskey to to get you pretty buzzed on four shots. In eight minutes? Um, Exactly. I don't know how much you would feel it right away, but when you're doing athletic, like moving around and stuff, I can imagine they weren't. Feeling Surely they so were good. drinking apple juice, bro. I I mean maybe, but if they were, it, it didn't seem like it the way that they were playing with it, especially <laughs> on red. Oh, it was hilarious! It was really entertaining, and I felt that if they're gonna do that Yano kind of KOPW bullshit, this kind of worked. Um, especially with Connemaro, um, with the shots, they all they would go back to a table every two minutes, and they'd have to take a shot, and then they would start the in the middle of wrestling. So would they have to break holds? Yes, there would be like a countdown to when they'd have to go take the shot, and then they'd have to rush out of the ring and go take their shot. 
and it would be like they could get counted out so they had like you know one two to take the shot you should watch it it was different it worked um i found it entertaining because if you're gonna have a yano match just make it something like that um but anyways if you know we're talking about comedy matches it, it kind of i don't know if we had a comedy match of the year but that's probably <laughs> probably would get it yeah so who do you think is the funniest this year when I'm just talking about overall consistency, I know we got a lot of guys that you mentioned. ELP's come around and just been a uh, just a, a you know comedic guy that's pretty good and um, just someone that you feel that could. So to me, the best blend of it is when someone like ELP does comedy. You're like, why doesn't he just like really wrestle? I know he's funny, but like it's something holding him back. I guess that's the heel side of things where they always go for the shortcut, you know. I, I, I got to go with Orange Cassidy because he he blends the comedy and just makes it part of his where like you couldn't imagine him not doing it. Um, he does such pockets. a great job. He does such a great job of blending the comedy with the serious wrestling. And yes. I think he's the best at that than anybody like uh, you. His match with Ad, uh, Adam Cole on Dynamite was actually incredible. And really I mean, good. It, yeah. It's really cool how, you know, he can turn it on and he can go from being funny and laugh at him to just being like dead serious, which it's like almost like he's going Super Saiyan. And here's a guy that can probably get on that honorable mention of most athletic as well. I mean, I don't know too many people that could do a kip up with their hands in their pockets. Well, have you ever tried? I can't even do a, ki- a pit kip up. <laughs> I can't, I even can't even, I've, I've never been to able to do it up. my whole life. But um, some of the things this dude does, I don't know, man. It, that, it, like you said, he just blends the seriousness and the little kicks. I can understand people thinking that's kind of, you know, bullshit. But then he'll just go and do like a spinning tornado DDT right off of it, and it's like, okay, never mind. Um, I've seen the dude he, do crazy transitions with with like arm drags and stuff, you know, with the hands and in the pockets. And he has like this kind of nonchalant kind of like laissez faire. Uh, like demeanor when he's doing them effortless which is funny because it, he makes it look easy um, so it, to me it's almost like he, he makes a humor out of how easy things are for him to do but then he sells like crazy too when someone gives him a shot he doesn't know sell it and get up and smile and put on his sunglasses or whatever no he when actually he sells hit, he, quite a bit he, he is an underrated uh, seller He's really good at selling. Because when he gets hit, he gets hit. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think that's I think that's a good choice. Um, I I decided to go with someone that I kind of forgot about, and this was a guy who didn't spend like all year being funny. Is actually didn't do a whole lot of comedy stuff, but what he did do, I thought hit pretty hard. Um, and so I went with Brock Lesnar. I mean, Brock. Hey, there you go. Brock. Uh, uh, I mean. This new kind of babyface run that he's had, to me, it's just, like, when he does his, when he turns on the funny, like, when, you know, he doesn't, it, it just works. And he doesn't even necessarily not always try to be funny, but that's what makes it even better. Like, the dude is doing the boombox dance with the money in the bank. Now, that was a couple years ago, right? But still, it's like, it, it became a like, a, it, was, yeah. it, it was, became the biggest meme on in wrestling for a while. So, this, the, seeing him with Sami Zayn and, like, the way he 
promos and the way he talks, I just, I really love it. It's actually made him like a likable character where I've always thought his character was lame, but, uh, you know, the, he's the beast, right? But this comedy side of him, I thought has just been absolutely great coming out in overalls and beating people up and shit. So, uh, yeah, props to Brock Lesnar for being funny this year. And that was you who brought that up, right? Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, his last, this, his, it's funny, um, we talk about a, you know, it's almost like the hook effect, but with the comedy, like we've never really seen this from Brock Lesnar in any like sizable dose. We're like, you know what? I think he could be a good comedy guy. We've always kind of seen Brock Lesnar as that kind of hired mercenary, um, you know, suplex kills anybody and go away for yeah. six months and hold on to the title and just kind of annoy us. But honestly, the last two, three months of WWE has probably been, you know, probably the most entertaining thing to watch and i've never thought i would say that about something like brock lesnar um if he's not wrestling um oh i can't wait to see brock lesnar come out like no like i've never really said that um and it's just been hilarious the guy's got a flip phone i mean uh, just <laughs> stuff like that like of course brock has a flip phone right um, of course right he just lives wherever and doesn't even you know he's probably too busy on the farm to deal with actual apps and games and stuff so <laughs> i mean he's probably just been told hey just do something a little more yourself and this is what you get and it's been it's been really great and you know don't get me wrong i think sammy zane has been the absolutely perfect foil for him uh in in the, introducing that type of personality to him so Good job, Sami Zayn, as well. Good. Well, yeah, I. You're right. He has been a good foil for him. That's. I. I can at least. I can at least say that. So, moving on from funniest, we're gonna move on to people who can be funny, but a lot of times they're more mean than anything, and that is, uh, the best heel, best heel wrestler. Um, and there, there's a good amount of choices here. Omega was a heel all year. Young Bucks were heels. Miro did some great work too. Um, there's actually a, quite a bit of names you could you could. Some people really loved. Uh, now I'm ha I'm having trouble remembering his name. Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona. Some people really yeah. liked his heel work this year. Um, Baron but, Corbin, maybe. But what was it, Happy Corbin? He was a well, baby face this year. But. Uh, no, I don't. I think now that he's happy, he's not. But when he was like kind of the bum Corbin or sad Corbin, where he lost all his money, there was some very entertaining stuff that came out of that. But you know what? Like this brings up the point. I've heard this being discussed in a lot of, you know, podcasts. Are there really any true heels anymore? You want to be a cool heel if you're really hated. But you know, back in the day, like you know, they would slash the Midnight Express's tires or you know, uh, uh, the you know the four horsemen or whatever i just think that fans are different these days because we learn to appreciate we, we nowadays we we, analyze we appreciate, appreciate heel work performances the performance we analyze yeah. the performance you would never hear somebody in 1987 say that arn anderson is a really good heel man his work is good <laughs> they would say fuck out anderson i'm gonna stab him if he comes close to me you know what i mean but it, there, I, we yeah but it, it's and, and I think it's made it better because, uh, you know, when in old days, like being a heel was to literally be hated, you know, to, to literally be yeah. disliked. And 
you know, nowadays you can, I'm not going to say that it's good to be cheered, but you know, we participate in wrestling as fans. We boo because that's what we're supposed to do. And, uh, that doesn't always happen. I mean, you have cases where the heel, like Becky Lynch, for example, where the heel is getting cheered. But to me, like, even if the heel is over, like, if they're a really good heel, they're still going to get the boos because the fans know, like, we got to boo this guy. You know, Jericho was a great heel when he was heel in AEW. And, of course, sure. we all loved Jericho. But, like, everyone booed him out of the building. And, and they, you know, when I was, when I went and saw AEW Live, there was even the drunk people actually screaming, like, I'll fuck you up and stuff, you know? <laughs> so, um, well, that, yeah. But then there's people, those are the same people that will acknowledge like yeah this dude's doing a really good great job and you know it's it's like a guy who's a great villain in a movie like they're gonna say man was you know uh daniel day lewis great in kings of new york he was a villain and a horrible person but um you oh, i was thinking you of uh, thought the, he was the oil movie what was that oil movie oh, uh there, there must will be there blood. will be blood my god similar characters very crazy motherfucker in in that in that movie alcoholic yeah. but uh yeah, so my my choice this year was, I don't think it's off the beaten path, but it's not the number one obvious choice. Uh, I went with Roman Reigns because for years we wanted him to be heel. He turned heel a few years ago, and I just think he's done such a great job. For someone that doesn't watch the product, whenever I tune in to see Roman Reigns, I'm like, dude, this guy is the biggest, badass, coolest heel there is. I mean... I would love to boo him out of a building because, you know, everyone booed him out of the building before. Now they can actually do it, although I think he gets cheered now. Um, but just just the, this whole thing, acknowledge me, the the whole, the way it's gone, the Head Paul the Heyman. Table, tribal chief. Yeah, the Paul Heyman stuff going on. The dynamic with the bloodline, right? Yeah, it's all been good. Yeah, I, 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 I really enjoy that. Him being really condescending even to his 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 you know family and stuff like that i mean him uh, with you know uh what, what was it that vince mcmahon was saying oh this was worth millions and millions and he goes well, well that's going to be my next contract and just stuff like that like he comes off as the coolest heel to me and i feel like he's a pretty confident guy in real life as he should be and i don't while i don't think he's a dick i've heard he's a real nice guy actually like i think it's cool that he gets to be honest about his confidence when when he's actually uh in the ring now so uh, i i thought i thought roman reigns was uh, my favorite heel of the year year and that's coming from someone who doesn't watch smackdown every week so well and you know he's the the biggest guy at the biggest company in the world so there's no fault with that. Um, I I went with kind of the more... I'm going to go with the more obvious thing. I'm going to go with MJF. He offered maybe the, the, the biggest, um, you know, most entertaining non-match uh, moment with CM Punk when they went back and forth with their promo. And, of course, he was the heel in that. But he he just goes to a lot of the, you know, the basics of heel work, which is... Well, first of all, he does it inside and outside the ring um, and on social media and whatever. Like, he never turns it off, which I think is something that's great. Um, and it's secondly, hard It's hard to see any clips of him not in character. The only time I've seen it was with, like, uh, when he did the, the drinking show, Shot of Brandy. And he tries to stay in character the whole time, but, you know, a few times he slips out of it. And you're like, oh, wait, he's actually got a normal dude. 
Right, right. And I think I've seen him slip in and out of it here and there. Um, but for the most part, he's pretty true with it. But the one thing that he does well is a good heel puts bits of truth in what they say. Um, and he he is so good at doing that. And I don't know. I mean, the guy's, you know... He's 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 probably gonna be the the biggest star in AEW in three or four years. Like Shit, he could be, be the biggest star in WWE in three or four years, dude. That is true too. There's a guy who I think would just definitely go over there, and how they would use him there. Um, it might be actually he's the one guy that I think might could, even could cross thrive over. in WWE. Yeah, yeah, because he he's over. he's muscular. He's got his verbal ability. He reminds me of The Rock. Like he's almost what you would call is like all arounder. He has it all, and I mean, yeah. And the thing that's so great about him is he probably does have a. He's a good. He's a dan. He's a really good athlete, and he probably does have this secret baby face move set that we won't ever see until the time comes. Although, you know, is he one of those healers? I, I don't know, man. To me, there's people who have just done so much evil shit that I can never actually think of them as a babyface, like Randy Orton. I'm like, bro, you were kicking old men in the head. Like, I can never right. buy you as a... So, I, I don't know. I guess, like, in wrestling, they switch been, back and forth. He has been. So, um, but, you know, it, it, it would take something. But I'm just saying, like, I think... He, he, uh, his in-ring, I think he's a little bit, we just haven't seen a lot of it because he's so good at, you know, I'm a heel, I'm going to do the minimal amount required that I need to win a match. Yeah, and then you he'll know? run from people and stuff too, the classic, he's, he's actually kind of a stuff, yeah. chicken shit, yeah. Um, have you seen his, his, uh, his audition for Tough Enough? I think so, yeah. He's playing the same yeah. character, dude. Well, he's had this character for ages, and I can't believe WWE didn't, was, was, didn't on scoop him. him up. Instead, I mean, they I chose the Velveteen Dream. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, he's that segment with CM Punk is obviously one of the biggest segments of the year. So, And that was because of his heel work. Um, and that's basically why i went with J mjf i know it's the obvious cookie cutter answer for this year but but that, that's okay i mean it's it's like good booking i mean sometimes it just is what it is man you know that's just where you go mjf was just awesome i mean he's he's just and he's got heat bro like like people boo the hell out of him except when they actually made him play babyface for one one week which was kind of crazy too right so, uh, speaking of babyface, let's move on to the flip side. Best babyface of the year. And like you said, there's shades of gray. I mean, uh, things have changed a lot. But some characters are just, quote-unquote, the good guy. And, you know, we like to cheer for them. We're fans of them. And they are that babyface that just, like, they, they, they sometimes might have a squeaky clean image. Um, so, who, who, who did you think was the best played the best baby face this year well i went a little back and forth on this one but um i just kind of the you know with uh just the transformation and involvement of this dude from where he was a few years ago to now um adam page 
uh, I went with as baby face of the year. Um, I know we've talked about this on the show a few different times, the show, whatever. Um, we, 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 we took a guy like Tony Khan took a guy that was like this, you know, upper mid, no, not even upper mid card, just mid card, lower mid card, uh, run of the mill, um, bullet club member. Uh, and of course with the hard work of Adam page, of course, um, and turned him into the biggest baby face in the business. You know, he's got the cowboy shit slogan. And I think if he went to WWE and, and wrestled Roman Reigns, people would be hugely behind him. Um, you know, it's, he's gone out there with kind of the, 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 the little bit of the alcohol gimmick when I, which I guess sometimes is a little bit of a, um, you know, you know, easy to, you know, the very stereotypical thing. The kind well, it's of kind of a weakness. And, it's just kind of a weakness, yeah, though, too, with like him. Where, yeah, like a kryptonite thing. I mean, where where at times it's been like, oh, he's drinking too much kind of a thing, which is a little bit, it's almost like almost too real of a story kind of with uh, Moxley. But, I mean, that that's kind of like his kryptonite. So, And, and he and uses it, it to celebrate. I mean, look, all the fans drink anyway. So it's kind of like, hey, I'm one of you guys. I mean, it just kind of reminds me of like, you know, the Sons of Anarchy characters and stuff like that where you root for them, but you're just like, oh, come on, don't pick up that drink. You can do this. You know, you that you find yourself rooting for the guy to get over the issues. And I don't know, man. I mean, just to see this guy evolve into not only just this big giant baby face, but also in ring has delivered some just classic moments this year as well. And well, and we're seeing a lot year, more seen a lot more of it now too as obviously he took that little break right and so but yeah he had the omega program they finally did that they held off for a while and uh i mean i was having trouble kind of getting behind him for a while i thought i didn't really didn't like how people said he was like the whatever misplaced millennial that rubbed me the wrong way um but i will say that it was full gear that was full gear was their their match right I believe so, yes. Yeah. The full get, like, that intro for him was really great. He comes in the Tesla and stuff like that. And that, when the, that, that package they did, that kind of made me get behind him. They, that, that actually pushed me. I mean, that's what they're made for, right? Those packages are made yeah. for that. And uh, I, 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 I think they did a good job to the point where this was a tough one for me. But I, I, I think I agree. I think I agree with you. All right, yeah. I mean, we, you know, you had some good honorable mentions, like a guy like Darby Allen that's just, you know, virtually loved, but there's just not that, you know, moments of triumph uh, and overcoming of odds as much as you have with somebody like Adam Page. I want to say, though, there is, to me, there is almost nothing more badass on the whole fucking wrestling scene than Darby Allen suicide diving into a guy that is face to face with another dude and taking his place. You do you know that spot where like two dudes yes. are outside facing and he dives into one and then stands there like that spot, dude, is so sick. Like or you're like just holy doing shit. A coffin drop to the outside of the ring, or he did it into something, and I was like, oh my god, what is he thinking? But he's a crazy dude, man. And I mean, you got your other consummate baby faces like Hiromu Takahashi, which is who's just so universally loved. And you know, he was injured for a good part of the year, so that's maybe what um, 
you know. Well, it's new. Ja- it's the state of New Japan, I think. I mean, yes, right. he was injured, yeah. but Hiromu was great. He was great in Best of the Super Juniors. In fact, he was so great that I'm just shocked not more people talk about it. But uh, his selling is incredible. His screaming, you know, his just like death. Cr- oh God, now I'm remembering at the end of like Wrestle Kingdom when he was out there screaming and the show went off the air. Or one of those shows, it was like watching a nightmare. But um, his oh, scream- I think it was when was it the evil uh, match at uh, Dominion or something? It, yeah, it was like one of those, and he just ah! and then it cuts off the air. You're yeah. like, whoa, dude! And uh, you know, another Hiroshi Tanahashi is just like just the you know just the every man's baby face hero kind of you know kind of thing. And but just the thing with Adam Page is like he had to have the Dark Order convince him to like, come on, man. We need you, and just you, you were rooting for the guy, and you were hoping he puts it together. And I think uh, that's just made him the grand, you know, the, the slam dunk uh, babyface of the year. I, I think the, like, the only thing with uh, Adam Page was that, like, I don't think Kenny Omega is the best heel. And I think, I just think they go more for the comedy shtick with the heel work. And so. The Adam Page versus Omega, that buildup, it, it's like, I, I, if it was MJF, I think it would have been even more of an intense buildup. But that story went on for years, and, you know, they obviously were together in Bullet Club and all that stuff. So I, I know why they did it, and I know why they booked it that way. But, um, you know, uh, I, I do agree with you. Adam Page, babyface of the year. Um, you know, honorable mention to Jungle Boy, right? Always a, a good babyface, at least oh, the last sure. few years. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, and probably will be for a while. Darby Allen definitely has some heel a heel run in him. I, I'm pretty damn sure. Definitely, um, definitely. And then you also have guys like, you know, Moxley, who's just you know everyone loves Moxley and what he's going through right now. And once he comes back, I mean, oh, it's gonna be like to, gonna look be at next year. Huge. It's 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 yeah. you know you and we don't. No one likes this, right? No one likes that bad things happen to wrestlers and then you know they come back but it's just what happens that's just how the world works i mean when roman reigns came back from his therapy i mean it was like they stopped booing him almost you know and that's just how it works it's just part of life man you incorporate real life into the character and people react to you and even if it's for a shitty reason um that's just is what it is and when moxley comes back yeah it's gonna be talk about like best baby face next year that might be huge People love when you overcome a hardship, so that automatically, you know, is going to get you some cheers, and that's going to be a huge pop when he comes back for sure, and I'll probably be the moment of next year that uh, if we had to predict something, Moxie's return might be the biggest moment of 2022 when that happens. Yeah, I was thinking, and just on a side note, I was thinking about it, man. If he's still in the rehab and stuff, I mean, he's really taking it seriously. I, I bet you he'll meet some really cool people in rehab. You know, I did. I've been there and uh, made some mm-hmm. lifelong friends there and stuff. So I really hope he's taking that look inward and just learning to love himself again. Um, so, yeah, uh, shout outs to John Moxley. Um, now we move, sure. we move on to... Uh, our, our main event, as you would, although we have a few of them, but these are our best of the best categories. And right. uh, yeah, so straight into it, the this first one we'll talk about is just best wrestler, just straight up best wrestler. Now, this is going to be one guy that we're choosing, 
But, you yeah. know, the best wrestler of the year. A um, lot of choices here, right? I mean, a lot of different sure. people. yeah. So uh, I think there's, you know, one that kind of pulled ahead at the end of the pack. Um, to me, at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I obviously, I'm, I'm going to go with Brian Danielson. Um, not only has the guy, you know, gave us an, a, 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 a crazy 60 minute, um, Broadway match with Adam Page, the baby face of the year. Uh, he also was at WrestleMania main eventing this year as well. And not only has he delivered with AEW since he got there with just match after match of incredible in-ring performing, but he was also doing it at WWE earlier in the calendar year. So, I mean, doing it in one, doing it in multiple companies, um, in without a forbidden door, uh, effect, uh, it's just hard to ignore. I mean, especially for a guy who we thought was out of wrestling four or five years ago and is and Aubrey Edwards crying in the front row it has put together arguably the greatest in-ring um maybe renaissance new japan renaissance that we've seen this year i mean he had that great wrestlemania match with edge um he's had some other good matches at wdf that escaped me this year but just his run in new japan all of them have been from miro to eddie king his run in aew yeah has been great so i mean to me Right now, today, he's the best wrestler in the world. The guy really has not had a bad match since since he... Well, he didn't really have bad matches anyways, right? right. Um, but, I mean, dude has wrestled, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12... Wow, he's wrestled 14, 15, 16. He's wrestled like 18 matches in AEW, and none of them have been bad. And he's wrestled as a heel and a babyface this year as well. So, I mean, he's just done everything. And he might be someone that is just as good of a heel as he is a babyface. I still think he's a slightly better babyface, but he can put on some heel work too. He's very versatile. Dude, he is such a good heel. And and although, you know, he, he's not really playing that white meat baby face in AEW. He is playing the more edgy. Oh, he's a heel now. Yeah. But but I mean even before that, right? Now he might have been right. knowing that That's he was true. turning soon after. But yeah. uh because there, there, there was a level of uh pretentiousness that he came in with for sure. But he, he probably knew he was going heel. By the way, did 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 he wrestle under a mask at all? Because I'm seeing that he this wrestler named Infinito defeated Ray Jazz, and it is listed as Brian Danielson, and it was at AEW Dark. Have you heard of that at all? I have not. That's that is, I might have to check that out. There's a Infinito versus Ray Jazz, about a four minute match on AEW Dark 19 at Universal Studios. So, uh, didn't didn't realize that if he wrestled under a mask like Cody did, but yeah, he's mm. he's done a great job. I'm looking here at his matches this year. And yeah, like you said, we have all sorts of matches in in um, in WWE, Royal Rumble, Steel Cage against Jey Uso. We had a couple matches against Jey Uso. We had Roman Reigns against Daniel Bryan in a career match. So <laughs> I mean, he ended his career, dude. 
Roman Reigns ended uh, Daniel Bryan's career, but maybe it was for the best. Then you had his his debut, which was a time limit draw against Kenny Omega. Yeah, it's just hard to argue this. Um, I think you're getting kind of convinced yourself, but to me, he's beyond the obvious choice. So, you know, I want to say this. This New Japan's had a tough year, and I'll just so much. I don't want to harp on about it because it is what it is, and we all know about the clap crowds. Um, I don't think the booking's been as bad as people say it has been, and I actually think it's improved this year. Um, but I mean, if there were, they've been dealt a tough hand. But I will they, say this before before I close the chapter on Daniel Bryan, and it just occurred to me, I'm picking a wrestler that seems like an obvious choice to me. But he has not held a world title this year or any title, so that's. But that that really doesn't mean anything to whether they're a, uh, they're the best wrestler, or the most over, or right, anything, sure. right? Um. So, okay. So I, I just want to say, if they had crowds in Japan, I'm pretty sure, without a doubt, my best wrestler would be Shingo. Like I, I'm just sure oh, of sure. it. I, I mean, I, I I love Shingo. I I mean. He's he's just amazing, man. Um, well, he's on my wall right there behind us. So, yeah, I mean, this dude talk about dealing a tough hand. He kind of reminds me of uh, Drew McIntyre, who just like had this whole run, but under you know oh, not the best circumstances. So I mean, yeah, it just kind of reminds me of you know just like when Diesel was the champion when. You know the the ratings and the and the revenue were at an all time low. It's like, can you really blame one person for that? But yeah, he was the pandemic champ. Was Drew McIntyre, and uh, obviously, I love Drew McIntyre. I I you know I don't know about you, but I think he's great. And it's a shame he didn't get a, a better run in front of. He still has a chance to have a run, but uh, yeah, Shingo's really put that company on his back, and I'm pretty sure you could you know, go match for match with Brian Danielson in terms of the quality and the guys he's gone against. A much shorter menu of wrestlers than Daniel Bryan's had access to, obviously. But Ibushi, Osprey, Tanahashi, Osprey, Osprey, that's one who also, because of the situation, you know, I can't really say he's the wrestler of the year, but the matches he had, has has had, have been fucking awesome. It's just, you know. Yeah, I mean, he obviously, he had injuries uh, that kind of cut it short. Um, But no, I mean, say what you want about the guy. The the guy's a bit of a, you know, a dumbass and kind of a weird guy and, um little tone deaf at times of things but every time he gets in the ring he delivers and uh you can't deny that yeah although it is i've heard people question if he even had an injury but that's obviously we don't know really fully but uh yeah whatever we're gonna assume he did for the why not all i know is that he didn't wrestle for a good four or five months so there you go yeah yeah um all sorts of all sorts of people Big E was mentioned right i mean Finally, I mean, even Big E uh, just had a huge, it was more of like, you can even call him a baby face of the year candidate too. We probably should have given him a little more love in that. I don't know one person that doesn't like Big E and he got a nice crowning moment this year with money in the bank and he is the current world champion. So you definitely um, maybe giving Big E a little more of a run with baby face of the year rather than wrestler of the year, I think. uh, Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. 
any of the New Day, actually, you know, they're all they're always well loved by the fans. And uh, but Big E is, I guess, you know, there's no leader of the group, and you know, Kofi's kind of the older, more experienced one. But Big E is like the man from the group, and uh, you know, he's finally had his moment. And I guess we're just kind of waiting to see more of that and what happens with that. So. Um, I can't really say he's the wrestler of the year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Okada, Ibushi, they had, I think they had good years. Uh, Ibushi actually didn't have a good year physically, which sucks. But no. in ring, he he did have a lot of good matches. Edge was there. Um, he had good matches. Definitely. So, but I'm going to go, this is where I'm going to go with the quote-unquote obvious choice. And uh, I'm going to say that Kenny Omega. Um Okay. I don't sure. I don't love this version of Kenny Omega compared to the cleaner, but I'm sure I'm not alone in that. But the fact is that the dude Lake was just having all these great matches this year. And in fact, I'm looking at his match guide here and he had this string from like May until wow, he didn't wrestle for five Okay, no 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 no, I'm sorry. It's it's good. It's September to Okay, that's last year. I'm sorry. Okay, we're going forward. So he had the, these strings of just awesome matches. He had one against John Moxley, uh, the exploding barbed wire death match. Now we're not talking about the ending here, which sucked. Right. But uh, right, you know, he did um, uh, Kenny Omega and Kenta versus John Moxley and Lance Archer, and uh, that was an awesome match. He went against Matt Seidel. They had a good match. I mean, it just goes on and on. He had a match with Rich Swan that was really good. He had an Orange Cassidy versus Pac versus Kenny Omega match that was really good. He had a Sammy Callahan. It's just the list goes on. My favorite match with him was with Christian this year. I thought that was Christian's best match. I agree. And I thought it was my favorite Kenny Omega match. Um, he and we'll probably be talking about that again in a few minutes. Yeah. Yep, and then he had the match with Danielson, right? I mean, yep. that match was fucking awesome. Five stars in the Observer, and he had the Adam Page match, which was just this crowning thing at the end of the year. And in fact, he had such a run that I mean, he literally had to had had to take a lot of time off and get worked on. Well, I also I was just gonna say, I mean. He was doing this hurt for so long as well. I mean, he, both shoulders, his knee, and I, I, I think, and also dealing with vertigo, which I'm pretty sure is a very difficult ailment to deal with as a uh, athlete, professional wrestler type of occupation. Vertigo is probably not a good thing to have. Um, doesn't make it any easier <laughs> when you don't have your equal equilibrium and you're trying to hit a V trigger. I'm pretty sure that's rather difficult. Um, yeah. Or when you have someone on your shoulders and you have vertigo, I mean, that's probably not safe for anyone, but, um, hard to argue that point. Um, you know, he, he also carried the company. Yeah. Maybe he's not our favorite version of Kenny Omega, but in the ring, he still delivered like he always has. I'll tell you this, though. I'm looking at cage match. Not saying that's the most legit thing in the world, but it is good because it, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an opinion of lots of people. I'm looking at his... It's not, you know, I was saying I like the cleaner better. Out of his 20th highest rated matches, only three are in AEW. And the highest AEW mm. match is his tag match against the Young Bucks. 
Um, it, it's funny, you look at the top se uh, seven of his matches, Omega, Omega, Naito, Naito, Omega, Omega, Ishii. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, holy, or excuse yeah, me, Okada, Okada, I meant not. But Okada, 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 Okada Naito, Naito, Naito. Yeah. I, I don't think a wrestler may never go on a string of quality matches like that in a two or three year period ever again. Um, yeah, 2017, that, 2018. Is, yeah, Historical. I mean, to me, the Naito... The Naito G1 final from what was it, 2017? Um, it looks like there was 2000. There they wrestled in 2016 and 2017, and both the were in the Nido summer. Won. The one where Naito won, I think that was 2017, right? Because then Tanahashi won the year after, and then Abushi won two in a row. Um, that's the greatest oh, okay. match I've ever seen. That yeah. G1 final, I think it was 27. Um, dude, I what I just love that match. Um, yeah, yeah. Those weren't those... really expecting Naito to win either. Of course, they crapped the bed with the Naito moment at the Wrestle Kingdom that year, and it was a very flat match. And that's when Jericho came over to go against Kenny, which was also awesome too. But um, that's and then those Okada matches. I mean, come on. I don't think we 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 might have to do. We might have to do a wrestling and 2017-2018 New Japan because th those two years oh, sure. definitely uh, deserve to be talked 16 about. 16 through 18, or yeah, 16 through 17, 18. You know, just basically from 2016 till when the Elite left. Uh, you know, yeah, when they came to Long Beach um, and did that first time here and Kenny won the, U won the U.S. title. Um, the, I mean, that was just the top of the game right there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure we can do a whole episode on that. But for me, I think Kenny Omega had a, a great year. Um, and it's just crazy to think that's not even one of his best years. But, I mean, it was it was yeah. great for him. Danielson and Omega, I think those are two great picks. And uh, just really, you know, I think we're both thankful that those guys put their body on the line uh, to entertain us this year. I so, moving guys. on to uh, best women's wrestler, I would say uh, it's you know some people might say oh best wrestler, best women's wrestler. I would say that you know we could have just gone best men's wrestler. We could have put that, um, but you know I think the women deserve a shout out as uh, definitely as well. And so you know we have this category here. Well, who did you think was the best women's wrestler of the year? I I went with Britt Baker. Um... I just think that she was the most dominant um, and just, you know, she's just got a lot of stuff going on with her. She's had the, you know, uh, the iconic moments, the the imagery that I always talk about, the still photos, the bloody face, um, you know, the whole DMD being a dentist thing. Uh, she's just a great heel. Um, she really she found her character probably, last last year. I mean, or was it a, two right, years ago? Had, yeah, they try to bring her in as kind of a baby face, if I remember correctly. Oh, and it was it was cringe for me, dude. I remember thinking she yeah. was dead. Yeah, and I just think that she is just very dynamic. And I know you got uh, maybe some people that are a little better in the ring, like your Charlottes, your Sasha Banks, um, your Bianca Belairs, your maybe even Becky Lynch. Anyone in Japan. Um, and. Anyone in Japan, which I was just going to say, I just am not educated enough to make a pick from over there, to be honest with you. I've seen some people that I've really enjoyed, but it's been usually at those tag matches that they had at, uh, in New Japan. Wrestle Kingdom. Um, 
you know, you also got Thunder Rosa, who I just think is a, you know, a great baby face and might be the eventual uh, person that takes the title off. I think there's some underrated stars like Hikaru Shida is just great. And I really think she didn't, although she held the title for most of the pandemic, which I believe deserves to be at least an honorable mention um, for her. But to me, I think Britt Baker just had that real dominant personality and had some great matches and iconic moments that, uh, you know, just put her above the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I have a different choice for my favorite, but I, I, I do agree that she's done that. She's a mover too. I mean, she's a needle mover. She, she does affect the ratings. Her YouTube numbers do well. Uh, yeah, she, she's really found herself. She's working with her husband now, which gotta be pretty cool. I mean, that doesn't really make her the best, but I I, don't think they're married yet, but Oh, her boyfriend. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and just her gimmick with Tony is great. I mean, there, oh, there's yeah. like that underlying Rebels like he wants her. her. Uh, Jamie Hayter, I think they they have a nice little click. Yeah, and um, and Rebel I, is hilarious. Yeah. yeah, she's great. Yeah, a lot of people think she's annoying, but I like that's the whole point, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I I like when she's screaming and stuff. I think she's self aware enough to know that she seems like an idiot out there. So. <laughs> um yeah, especially they did their Christmas thing and Jamie and uh, what was it? She was wearing like a full body nighty kind of thing it was so funny <laughs> um my favorite women's wrestler this year was utami hayashishta and uh i know that a lot of people that are into japanese wrestling like there's so many choices uh, hayashishta shuri T- uh tom is it tom nakano she i mean her with uh her new her new group that she found the the cosmic angels uh there's julia you know that stardom right. group is all really great, but uh, Julia was had a lot of time injured. Um, she obviously lost her hair this year, which was a pretty intense thing. But for me, uh, Hayashisa, she was the one. I, I think, like honestly, most stardom fans are going to say it's Shuri. Shuri with a real background in kickboxing and MMA. But uh, we'll get to it later. Um, but I thought it was Hayashisa. She, she. She's got the look, first of all, for me. She looks amazing. Um, she just, in ring, she's just brutal. She's dominating. Not quite as much of a bruiser as Shuri, but I just think this has really been her year. And, you know, Stardom obviously agreed giving her the championship, her their red belt, which is kind of their main belt. And, yeah, man, I, I mean, not quite the mainstream pick there, but... You know, those women in Stardom, man, like, you know, I really think that a lot of people, you know, for a while, NXT and WWE, like, everyone's like, oh, they're the best women. But I, I don't know, man. Stardom, again, like, we don't get a chance to watch it as much. We Neither of us have a Stardom uh, subscription. I did, for no. a, I did for a little bit, but it was kind of on a slow month. And also, one of the problems with stardom is they don't show a lot of their stuff live, which is an issue. I'm up at 3.30, and when it's, I have to watch it three days after, and all the news is out, that does kind of, you know, part of the appeal of, yeah, yeah, part of the appeal of wrestling is watching it live, and anything can happen. Um, So So they, they don't even put it up the next day? No, not always, and I could be wrong on that, but I feel like they they work on it. They put some like subtitles on the promos and stuff, and then they release it right. like a few days later. Now they're and and it 
And it costs just as much as a New Japan subscription? Yeah, it does. It costs just as much. I really wish they would do a Bushi Road subscription and just have both of them under one umbrella. But I guess they're on the diff- They're part of a different TV network or something. Then I think that's been an issue. With and well, New Japan won't even put themselves on iOS or you know uh, Sony. So I think that's a even bigger step. <laughs> Um, at least they at least they let AEW use use a uh, f- uh, film like they did that Owen Hart tribute recently and they used a bunch of New Japan footage for that. Just yeah, after. I heard Rocky Romero has been somebody that's been helping them get that footage. So, yeah, Rocky's been on a lot of AEW, so that leads me to believe that he's been the big time liaison with that partnership. You know he has been, dude. You know he's friends with that whole crew. I mean, he, oh, yeah. Yeah. and he was a leader in New Japan backstage. So, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. he's going to be the, the liaison between New Japan, Tony Khan and yeah, he's, he's, you know, I think with New Japan now uh, in this partnership too, but he was that liaison with the Gaijin talent and New Japan. Oh yeah, definitely, it's man. And you know, Tony Khan's probably a huge fan of him since he's a huge fan of New Japan, or at least was, um, he probably still is, probably doesn't watch it, but I mean. You know he, he well, thinks sure New he Japan's does. awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I thought Hayashishta, man. She she just... I'll have to send you. I'll, I'll find I'll find yes. her one of her matches with Shuri. But she had, like, this trilogy with Shuri this year, and every match was good. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more. Yeah, making my pick seem so ignorant with that. <laughs> no. It's... it's it, <laughs> it, look, man... I wish I could be talking more about Dragon Gate because they have amazing wrestlers here, but I just didn't watch enough, you know? Um, I, but I was just going to say, I was looking at our list and just going back to just one sentence I think deserves to be said about, you know, an honorable mention for the best men's wrestler. I hate to throw it back to that, but Nick Gage had a great year and exploded as a huge just kind of star too that I think deserves a little bit of credit, but... I just wanted to pop that in there. Well, and and this is another one of those things where I just didn't watch him. I didn't see him against Jericho. Didn't watch him with Matt Cordona or John Moxley or any of that stuff. And I'm not a big fan of Deathmatch, anyways. Um, so neither am I. Yeah. So it. Well, he also had that Dark Side of the Ring episode on him too. And I didn't um, even see that. that. Blew him up a little bit. Yeah, it's worth checking out. I definitely know he's got a good promo because, uh, you know, supposedly he's really from the streets and shit, and I've been to jail, so uh, there's some kind of street credit yeah, there. He, he robbed, he literally or was a robber? Banks and went to jail, so. <laughs> Probably went to prison for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm actually gonna use this Hayashista to transition directly into the best women's Go match because, um, the best women's match to me was Shuri versus Hayashisha in their 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 big tie, their big uh, draw match. These these girls just beat the shit out of each other for half an hour, and I mean it was just nonstop violence, forearms, forearms, slaps, chops, slams. You know, one thing after another for thirty minutes. The match ends. It's a draw. And, you know, the fans are pissed and everyone's like, what's going on? And they come out, uh, the, the, the head guy of stardom, uh, Rossi comes out and, uh, they're, let's go another 15 minutes. So they wrestle another 15 minutes. And I swear, like, like people in the stands are crying and stuff, you know, it was so intense and so great. And that's part of the reason I loved, uh, Hayashista so much. Now I didn't watch their other matches and I heard one of them was even better, but, um, that match to me for a women's match, it was like, 
it was just so intense. It kind of, some people compared it to Okada Omega a little bit. It wasn't nearly as good as that, but um, just that, that intensity and the draw and the emotion, um, that was my uh, women's match of the year. I didn't so, see that match and I want to see it. Um, I'll find yeah, one of them to send you because I'm going to watch those other ones too. And everyone tells me they're so good. But the one that I did see, I saw live. And uh, so, but you know, what, what women's match did you see that you liked? Because that would be kind of weird if you I, chose one you didn't. <laughs> there was some, so there were some good, there were some pretty good ones this year. But I, I went with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Um, just thought it was a great match. A lot of, Oh yeah, um, you know, great. You know, I know that there was also recently the Serena Deeb and um, Hikaru Shida, uh, Hikaru Shida match, which was awesome as well. So that almost took it away from that, but I don't know, man. Nothing will beat the bloody face Brie Baker and all that stuff. That was just awesome. It was and kind of an iconic moment for AEW to me. Yes, that's what I think really. Um, it, that was when you really felt like they were figuring out what they needed to do with the women's division because they took a year to really figure out what they were going to do with it. And they lost Riho for a while, which I think they must have had bigger plans for. Um, and it kind of stuttered when she had to stay in the country and she held that title for a long time. And, you know, they gave it to Sheeta and she pretty much did beat almost everyone they had that was, a, you know, around. Um, but, you know, obviously... You know, a lot of people were kind of criticizing the division for how it was being organized. But once Britt Baker took hold, and that was really her her moment there, was when she was against Thunder Rosa. And now, will, I believe she didn't have the title yet, of course. She she didn't. And I remember some people were complaining because uh, she was such a babyface in that match, you know? Um, she was, she's this heel, but uh, everyone was really cheering for her to win, which she didn't. I think once she got the crimson mask and got bloody, they started rooting for her too. And that was not part of the mat. That wasn't like planned. So it was just one of those things where if someone gets bloody, you know, that's, yeah, I thought that was just kind of an organic moment. You know what, though? Talk about iconic, like, wrestling visuals. I mean, blood on the face is always a big one, but rarely does the blood on the face just, just be is so memorable. I mean, yeah, you have the one with Austin, right? That's maybe the best example, him tapping out, or him not tapping out, him passing out. Um, but right. I, this, the visual of her, and it, it's also partly because they really marketed the visual afterwards, but that visual of her with the blood mask on, going Muda level whatever... Crimson mask, yeah. That that was just that was that's just an image that I'll never forget, man. Well, and just compare it to the the Becky Lynch from a year or so before, where she broke her nose in that little melee with SmackDown and Raw because, you know, what's her name, uh, Nia Jax broke her nose on accident and she was up <laughs> in the stands with the bloody nose too. Uh, that oh, was geez. another. That was a similar moment. You rarely see the women with the blood all over their face and i think that made it a little more iconic and special for sure yeah it's just sad that we didn't have nia Jax versus nyla rose this year because i think that would have been a big contender for best women's match of the year the road, but I, I i think nia's done wrestling i don't think she you know wants to do it anymore but i think she said um, she does not want to i i know i've told you this before like i'm big on if you know recipe for a great match you got to have 
the stunning still image that would go on the back of a t-shirt or a poster or in the magazine. Like, I, I don't know if that's as important as it used to be, but I think you need that to, you know, it's one of the formulas for a great match. I think those that no, I think that visual is like is huge. When I really think of the best matches, uh, you know, I can always like when I think of Okada versus Tanahashi when they had their two Wrestle Kingdoms in a row. Like I have that that image in my head of Okada holding Tanahashi for the Rainmaker and and him doing the pose and all that stuff. You know, uh, which actually like a lot of his matches, it's very memorable for me. You know, uh, or or in with him against. Uh, Omega, I think of Omega doing the drop kick to the back of the head, you know, that spot he does. Right, yeah. um, so absolutely, I, I, I totally agree. And uh, as far as American and non-Japanese matches go, I think that was the best women's match. Brutal, too. Very violent. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. Was it a Thunder Driver through the table that finished it, right? The Thunder Fire. I believe so. Yes, yes. My yes, God, yes. man. Great. All right. We're getting to the to the serious stuff here. The best singles match, best singles match of the year, man. What do you got? Okay, There's good a choice. I really, really like, but um, Kenny Daniel Bryan. I mean, Kenny Bryan Danielson, I think, was the match of the year uh, in the singles. Um, I love Cobb and Shingo at Wrestle Kingdom or New Beginning or was it uh Cobb and Shingo at Wrestle Kingdom was great too for the never open weight. That would probably be my second. Um Walter Dragonoff, hard to ignore that. The Okada Osprey. Uh, we've seen a lot of Shingo in these matches in these matches on our list, by the way. So that really does justify your um wrestler of the year i guess it does yeah i mean he still had great matches and seth rollins and edge had a great hell in the cell match probably the best hell in the cell match in years was that that at crown jewel no i don't remember exactly what it was maybe i don't know i think it was at crown jewel man the cell match oh no maybe it was at hell in the cell (laughs) the obvious yeah well they had Um, a great match at, at crown jewel as well Right, right, they did. They've had, they have good chemistry. Um, Paige and Dan O'Brien was great. Naito Ibushi. Um, but I, yeah, Kenny and Brian, Dan, Brian Danielson, uh, not only the fact that they opened the show, did a half hour Broadway, but, and a draw, but also just like the excitement when we found out we were getting that match. I don't think we were excited about any match this year more than that one. As far as yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think I agree. I I was go ahead. I didn't think we would get so soon, and I mean, just the whole story behind it was just oh my god, we're getting this. Oh my god, oh my god. You know what I mean? Like I don't think any other match delivered that type of hype. It was a true dream match, and in fact, almost like all of Danielson's matches have been that way for the most part. You look at even him against uh, against. Um, Oh, what am I, why am I forgetting his name? Kaze Ninare. Suzuki. See, that's another match we didn't mention with him. Um, amazing. Great, great fucking match. Um, but yeah, versus Kenny, that was just like so awesome. And you know what's crazy about it is because of the draw, they left it on the table too. Right, exactly. And same thing with Paige. 
Yeah, um, a lot of seed planting that was done in that match, and I have no problem with the draw. Like people are saying, oh, no, like, oh no, that was that was like the best choice, dude. Yeah, both of them I think were great having draws. I have no problem with the draw. I uh, I, I thought that match was incredible as well. Um, my match of the year, you know, I really stewed over this, and I thought to myself. What match, like, got me so absorbed? And you know what? When I get really into a wrestling match, dude, I'll start, um, like, my foot will go up and down, you know, almost like I get really nervous. I'll start talking to this screen, like, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll shake my leg and stuff. And I thought about all year and all these great matches I've seen. And, you know, dude, the match that really got me really revved up, which I would call the match of the year, and I'm sure people... I don't think this will be many people's top pick, but it was uh, Shingo Tanahashi for the Never Openweight title at New Beginning. That match, man, I don't know what it was. There was something magical about it. It was just, I was so excited watching that match. Um, it just, it just, I don't know, man, it really moved me. I thought it was a real work of art, and I didn't even notice about the clap crowd or anything like that. I was just so hyped up for it when when it happened um so do you remember that one in particular for the yeah, never open weight no, title no it was it was amazing and tanahashi is just i mean he might be the greatest like just i don't know how to explain it but he, he might be the, the the greatest baby face in ring wrestler that i've ever seen and his style is a perfect contrast to what Shingo does as well, too. So, I mean, they're just, I think they're a very underrated combination and, and they complement each other and have really good chemistry. And maybe we haven't seen enough of theirs, but um, yeah, that was a great match for sure. And, and yeah, and I agree with you. Tanahashi, he embodies that whole Japanese idea of fighting spirit, man. I mean, he oh just God, yeah. when he when he yells and puts his fists up in the air and it's always it's always perfectly timed. I mean, the psychology is incredible with this guy. It's so timed that when he does that yell, it's like you want to yell with him. You know what I mean? You're just like, "Yes, dude, let's go." Um, just incredible psychology, just knowing how to work a crowd, knowing when, you know, knowing your timing, just two true veterans, true greatest of all times going at it. Um, so yeah. Um, now the next category is our last category and, um, I'm pretty sure we agree on this and I didn't, I don't even have a huge list here. And I was going to cage match stuff, but, you know, maybe I still should. We need to find some honorable mentions. And I think I I found some. Um, But we have the best tag team match of the year. And there's a reason I saved this for last is because I think that the best tag team match of the year was also the best match of the year. Right? Could not agree with you more. And I think at this point, everyone probably knows what we're referring to as we got to this spot, but I mean, it's the cage match between the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. And I actually turned this on again before we got on the air, Justin, to to check Mm -hmm. some of it out again, to see, like, was it just in my memory, or was it real? And no, it it was real, man. Um, 
talk a little about talk a little about how this how how you felt about this match watching it. I mean, it's just the probably the two best tag teams in the world as well. Um, I know you know a lot of people kind of you know aren't as fond of the Young Bucks as they used to be. Uh, maybe the shine has come off this being one of the most unique dynamic tag teams, but when you put them in the ring and give them a moment like this, they still deliver on the highest possible level. And there might not be a more athletic, impressive tag team in pro wrestling than the Lucha Brothers. Um, if we, I guess we probably should have had a tag team in the year category, but I probably would have given it to the Lucha Brothers. Um, I just think they're just a dynamic tag team that would fit in any era in the last 40, 30 years. I mean, they're incredible. And that match had everything. Um, unique spots I've never seen in a tag match before. Um, you know, you had the imagery of Pentagon bleeding through his mask. How cool was that? Um, you had the Young Bucks take those $3,000 Jordans and uh, Travis Scott Jordans or whatever and put thumbtacks in them and I mean it had it all it was the, so the match good. the match you know a really good match man is is great from the like even before it starts and they had everything the entrances specifically yes the Lucha Brothers entrance for not being okay, like yes, it wasn't like the WWE where they have like the giant fucking airplane flying by and like the but look, that with what they had, which was Ruckus out there rapping and another rapper and the Lucha Brothers coming out in these huge Mexican headdress, it was an incredible entrance to the point where Shivani said right after it, he said this that was one of the most spectacular entrances I've ever witnessed. And the part that really got me is when uh, when Justin Roberts mentioned or uh, when Justin Roberts announced Phoenix, he climbed up the cage and got to the top of the cage. <laughs> and that is an iconic visual for me. You know, when I saw it live, I was just like getting chills watching it. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and obviously the match met every level of that pageantry that we saw. Um, and that just set up with the importance and the relevance of the match, having a grand entrance like that and made everything seem that much more important and relevant. And uh, yeah, that's that definitely match of the year. And, and of course, tag team match of the year. You know, I have to add too, is that, AEW has gotten so good with tag teams. They have such a great tag team division. You know, it's not it's yeah, not like sure. two singles matches going on, and especially in the tag match because there's no there's actually no tag tagging going on, right? I mean, this was two guys versus two guys, and the way they did it, where they're all sla slapping each other, like you know, one guy slaps another, who slaps the next guy, who just stuff those spots. Like, I mean, look, the match was like all spots. I'll say that straight up, and that's okay because the spots that they had were so meaningful. I mean, you know, especially they had little stories going on in the match. You had like who could be more crazy, uh, Phoenix or Nick Jackson, right? You had like this little story going on in the match. And and it was just an incredible thing. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to say this is the match of the year. So nothing crazy there. But how could you not say it? I mean, I just, it was great, man. Unless you didn't see it or something. But, uh, <laughs> Even then. Yeah, this was, maybe you felt yeah. how good it was just from how good it was. You know, it just. 
yeah. gave you this vibe. Um, so I wish I had a list of best tag team matches of the year. Um, the thing is, though, is like I can't just search tag matches on Cage Match. You know what I mean? I, at least I don't know how. So we're probably missing a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, New Japan had some good tag matches. Uh, in well, actually, I don't know. Like with all the Dick Togo bullshit, I don't even know if I well, could some compare of the that. Stuff was really good. You know, yeah, yeah. The, the Techers had a great uh, or put on, put together a great run this year. Uh, for sure, and some Naito and Sonata stuff um, was great, too. Um, I unfortunately don't know much of the WWE stuff that's been happening. You've had the RK Bro run. You've had the New Day doing their thing. and the Usos. AJ and Omos. Um... AJ and Omos doing a little, you know, so there's been some good work elsewhere, but, I mean, head and shoulders above. Uh, if, you know, I, it's one of those things where, like, I don't think I'm going to find a better deal than what we got here, so there's no need to look. I, I, I agree, man. So there you have it. Uh, moving on to next category, best time to end a podcast. I'm going to go with right now. <laughs> as, as it just, like, immediately goes to the music, so. You know, we are, it's Christmas Eve, so I think I got actually got to wrap some presents right you now. You are really waiting late, aren't you? Yeah, I mean... It's okay. I was at Target today, dude, so, you know, uh, it's not, you know, I was buying gifts today. I think, actually, like, the this is going to sound funny, but, like, historically, the the couple days before Christmas are actually the biggest shopping days of the year. It's not Black Friday, which... I heard it's the week before Christmas. The Saturday before Christmas, I hear, is the biggest shopping day. Well, and, and it moves from but, year to year, from day to day per year, you know, but... I mean, I, I was at Target yesterday, and going around to a few different places and it actually wasn't that bad i think a lot less people are shopping in store these days they're buying online and maybe going. oh yeah that's 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 for sure where back in the day remember it was always the day after christmas was like the other big day because everyone was returning shit right now people are just putting them in a box and sending them back yeah so yeah and so yeah i i we'll see anyways you know, Merry Christmas to people that celebrate Christmas or whatever. Happy holidays. Yeah, or just have a great next two weeks. And, you know, I always consider if I don't celebrate holiday, if someone tells me Merry Christmas, I can still have a really good day on Christmas. So thank you for telling me Happy Halloween or whatever. I can still have a happy day on Halloween if I don't celebrate it, right? So I always consider if people are just telling you to have a good day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. I I actually... uh, Got some Amazon money tonight and bought a new terabyte hard drive, so that's good for the show because that means my computer, because I'm going to transfer my whole hard drive to the new uh, SDD, you know what I mean? So my computer will last longer, so um, really good stuff, and it'll do all, it'll, I'll be able to transfer files a lot quicker as well. So good stuff, good stuff for the show here. So with thanks everyone for listening. Um, how, what did you guys think about 2021? If you want, you can always hit us up, let us know. Um, and you know, if you totally think we missed the mark or if you think you totally agree with us, we'd love to hear about it. Um, it was a good year of wrestling, man. All right. And let's hope the next year is just as good, if not better. Right. If uh, we always hope for that, man, every year just gets better and better. We hope so. And uh, it's going to be an exciting year. Maybe we'll, we'll do a little outlook on the next year, on the next few episodes, if we have time. 
We'll see. Yeah, I think we'll definitely squeeze one in in the next few days, Wrestle Kingdom and whatever else preview. Yeah. So I'm going to go and watch some old matches. And yeah. uh, you got to wrap some presents. So thank you for listening, guys. And we will talk to y'all later.